Warning, if you're faint of heart or easily offended, this show is not for you. It took what about, does eventually paid mean? I think it was like two weeks. And uh, I don't know if he bad. got the full 160. What? It was like maybe 150. What? But it was like, what do you, what hoops do you want to jump through? No, to, I know? get it, but wow. Yeah. Um, That's a great story. But he got the, he got yeah, most the most of the bulk it. of the money. And that, you know, that paid for my wedding, you know? So I, <laughs> I, I like to joke that uh, Ben Affleck paid for my wedding. You, that is very funny. It was an inside bro. joke with my wife and my friends, but yeah. now I guess the whole world knows it. If yeah. you're the fan of hey, you heard easily it. offended, do not watch this show. You heard it here on the <laughs> Nick Fertucci show, man. This is where we dig. We don't want those cursory bullshit answers. Okay, welcome to the Nick Fertucci Show. I am Nick Fertucci, and I am here with Johnny Marino Vibes. Johnny, how are you? That's the first time I've ever heard of Johnny Marino Vibes. It's usually Johnny Vibes Marino. You know, I don't see it that way. Oh, okay. Well, it's yeah, it's it show. is Johnny Vibes Marino, I guess, if you really think it out. But now, it today, it's Johnny Marino Vibes. Uh, I, I, which, sometimes people actually ask me, "Is Vibes your last name?" And I'm like, obviously not. But how did you come up with Vibes? Well, I I think that. In any nickname or what you go by, you can't yeah. really just name yourself. No. It's like something that just comes about. And the way that that came about was I've actually gone by my middle name my entire life. Which is? Which is Antonio. So mm. my name, I have a very Hispanic name, Johnny Antonio Vicente Moreno. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, I've always gone by Antonio or Tony. My dad's name is Johnny, so I've never gone by that. But I was playing poker at Ocean's Eleven, and uh, we had the system where they would come by and swipe your uh, your card, and you had to leave it face up on the table. Uh, it wasn't like the kind you could just swipe and put it in your pocket. Back in the day, yeah. Because they would just come around with a little yeah. gun and beep, give you your hour, and Ocean's Eleven had good comps back in the day. And it said Johnny on my card, and everybody was like calling me Johnny, 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 and I'm like, Johnny's my dad's name. You know, like I'm not used to people calling me Johnny. And there was a guy that, that was went by the name of Tony that was already there, that nobody liked. So I was like, I'm just gonna roll wow. with the Johnny thing. So when I actually moved to California like 12 years ago, I became Johnny. And uh, the vibes thing was hap happened because I was really into music. I started this little boutique clothing brand that I called Deep Vibes. So people would just call me Johnny and then associate my clothing brand with that. So Johnny Vibes. That's and interesting. Then, yeah, and then when I created a YouTube channel, <clears throat> I didn't think that anybody would actually watch my YouTube channel. So I never thought that I'd actually be known as Johnny Vibes. I just that's interesting. And we're going to get to your YouTube and your content soon. So, yeah, oh, that's I, I don't think anyone could have ever figured out how you became Johnny Vibes. <laughs> that's that's great. And so <clears throat> you mentioned to me in some of the notes you sent that uh, you moved a lot growing up. Yeah, definitely. My dad was in the army when I was young and started out in like Texas, moved to Germany on an army base, Colorado, Indiana bounced around my, my parents got divorced and then at that point living in trailers never went to the same school for more than a year and a half was that a negative no I actually I actually look at that as something that was a big positive in my life I also look at it as something that helped me build an extremely close relationship with my brother because mm. we were bouncing all these different places so often that the one constant in my life was him was him you yes yeah, so you go to a new place 
he's who you knew. Yeah, I mean, we were only two years apart too, mm-hmm. so we were basically just automatically had a best friend wherever wherever I went. So it's a positive now, but when you were going through it, did it seem like a negative having to make those changes? People always say that, but honestly, your perspective in the moment is just your perspective in the moment. Okay. You know, yeah. like I just was like, this is life. I got know? it. That's we, your, that was the hand you were dealt. Yeah, we move a lot. Like it's, oh, cool. Why we, did you move a lot? Um, we financially struggled a lot. Okay. And, uh, so my mom was, uh, she decided after my parents got divorced, my dad was working at a paint factory, uh, uh, that she wanted to go back to school. She had three kids and, um, going back to school meant that she didn't work. Mm. And, you know, my dad, uh, working in a paint factory wasn't, you know, he paid child support obviously, but it wasn't a ton of money. And, um, she made a lot of sacrifices, but she definitely felt like if she delayed gratification and went back to school, that she could eventually have a better life for us. And it ended up working out that way, you know, while we did struggle a lot and, you know, had the the unfortunate circumstances when I was younger, yeah. I would say by the time I was in eighth grade, she finally graduated from college mm. and she got a job as an engineer. How old was she? She was, she had me when she was 19. So oh. she got pregnant with me when she was 19. So definitely um, she started off, you know, down a tough path as it was. Yeah. But by the time she, I was in eighth grade, so what was this? I was I was like 14. So she was like 34 when she graduated from college. Still very cool, though. What a great story. Yeah. So at that point, I remember <laughs> the first she got her job. She was making like 50 grand a year or something. Yeah. But this is, you know, like 19, it, yeah. 1994 or something. But it was like all the money in the world to us. And I remember she took us shopping for school clothes because normally we would uh, we would get like hand-me-downs, gifts, yeah. you know, Salvation Army, things like that. And she set us a budget and it was like some absurd number. It was like $300 that we got to spend on clothes for the entire year, each three of us kids. And I remember going to like Macy's and just going nuts and just thinking it was like the coolest thing ever. But yeah, um, like I I look back on it now and I I don't think of it as like a struggle because like I said, like it just was, it just was life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a couple moments here and there where it was apparent where I felt like an outsider. There was one time I remember very clearly in sixth grade, uh, the entire team got basketball shoes. They were Nikes. They were like $90 or something. And my mom was like, we can't do that. That ain't happening. Like, you're not going to be able to get basketball shoes. And if you are getting basketball shoes, it's going to have to be $25 and it's going to have to be a pay less. And so I went and I found like the shoes that closely matched the Nikes. Yeah. But I was the only one on the team that didn't have the shoes. So like moment, little moments like that helped me realize that like there was a gap there. But overall, like it, childhood was just childhood. And I look back at it finally, I feel like it made me the person that I was. I was going to say, was. it probably built, built some real character for future. Yeah, it, it helped me become the person that I am today, have the yeah. perspective that I have. So, yeah, I wouldn't That's trade cool. it for the world. Yeah, no, I understand. I get it. Uh, I, I won't get into it because it's not about me, but I, I have a little past like that growing up and and come from the same kind of the same cut. And people ask me, you know, and I'm just like, that was just my life like you, you know what's wild is i feel like it's seeped in i feel like it's held me back in poker a lot because growing up like the value of a dollar was very apparent wow. and for me to get to the point of my life where i am now where i'm going into the hustler and buying in for lots of money and losing big pots yeah um it was a huge learning curve i'm 15 years deep into my poker career so yeah i yeah. you know i just watched your arpapazian podcast right and just came you know, out today I, which I really enjoyed. Uh, I didn't know a lot about art. I, you know, I grew up in the Southern California, um, 
ecosystem of poker, yeah. but I was more in San Diego. You guys had your LA thing. So I was kind of on the fringe of that. I would come up every once in a while and I'd see Art around. So it was cool to see his story, but he accelerated so quickly. Yeah. He was yeah. like 2015, you know, yeah. just, right time, right place. Prodigy studied hard. Yeah. But I, good. that wasn't me, man. It yeah, was like a grind. very slow grind to even get used to the dollar amounts that I needed to get used to. Well, people often are curious, not all people, but especially people in my circle circle are, are often wondering why, like I could be worth what I am and play like I do. And the truth of the matter is there's a lot of that inside of me. I, again, I'll just say it cause it matters to the story, but you know, same for me. I, I didn't grow up with money. I grew up, you know, my dad died when I was 10. I had uh, like a, a key around my neck, you know, type thing to get into the house. And we, di we didn't have a ton of dough. And then when I, <clears throat> I started one, my first business, um, you know, I lost everything and went broke in the millions of dollars. And so, and then lost another business later, didn't go quite as in debt, but it was pretty devastating. And so I learned over time that like nothing lasts forever. So I have this weird, I get trolled like Ryan trolls me about it. But I have this weird inner thing where every dollar means something to me, not because money means anything to me, because people who know me know I'm very generous, but it means a lot to me because I understand the value of it because it didn't come easy for me. Yeah. And and while that that is good in some ways for poker, it helps you manage your bankroll, it helps you take too. calculated risk, but it's going to hold you back. I know from becoming elite and the all the elite players, you know, like Phil Ivey back in the day. You know, you guys talked a lot about Brian Kim. You talk mm -hmm. about uh, mm -hmm. Garrett on art, even like they have this mindset around money that, that they're just chips at a poker table. I get it. And they're just betting units and they can like separate and just play for massive amounts of money. Yeah. I mean, I have some crazy Brian Kim stories, by the way. He We're was actually talk about him. he's actually uh, one of my best friends in poker. Is and that right? He's one of the reasons why I am the poker player that I'm today. He's the only roommate that I've ever had. Uh, other than my wife, obviously, and my brother. So yeah, we can definitely save get that because I'm yeah. going to get to that. Yeah. Uh, I want, I actually, that's a very interesting topic for me, especially because it's him. Um, but yeah, it, 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 I've had this conversation with someone uh, that's really good at poker that has said that that's the one thing that could hold me back from being elite is that I'm just, um, that's the chip I don't have. Like the person that I'm referencing could sit at a table and just, be like immune to the numbers and they're mm -hmm. not that they want to go broke because they don't but they just have this different ability and that is something you need to be elite because if you have anything in there that has fear or the ability where you don't want to put yourself in that position you are going to get outplayed yeah right Definitely. so it's it's a great point now you went to um you went to purdue computer science you you told me you had a huge aptitude for like math so you're kind of a geek yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, my mom my mom is an engineer, obviously. It took uh -huh. her a while to get yeah. there, but she eventually got there. And I did have an aptitude for math, but I wasn't like the sharpest. Like I wasn't I wasn't so quick about it. I was the kind of kid that would take a long time to turn in his test, but I would get a very high score after got it. after like spending yeah. a lot of time You're very going thorough, through. Thorough but yeah. not not quick. Yeah, definitely perfectionist by nature. But yeah, so I and like no entrepreneurship in my family. You know, my dad worked in a paint factory, my mom went yeah. to college. Um, she was like, you know, one of the first people to my dad's side and my mom's side to get a college degree, you know? So mm -hmm. that was like what we were told was like, Hey, if we're going to get out of this like lower level of income, the best way to do it is to go to college, use your math skills. Yeah. And I originally was going to go for engineering cause that's what my mom did. And, 
when I first got there, it was like the dot-com was like going crazy. And they were like, oh, we need software developers. We're paying them a lot out of college. And I didn't even need to get a four-year degree. I, I, went to, uh, I went to Purdue. It was like an associate's program. It was a two-year degree. It took me four years to get the two-year degree because I was working the whole time. Sure. Putting all the school on credit cards. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously, like I didn't have help from my parents from that really. So, but yeah, once I got that degree, <laughs> I remember my first offer out of college uh, was from this Fortune 500 company in Indiana, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is near Purdue. Uh, they sent me an offer letter and it was $52,000 was the bottom number. And I was like 22 at the time. And I was just blown away. What's the bottom number mean? The bottom line number mean that's what they were It was like you? the number that they advertised. Oh, I see. But really, like when I actually got my check, it was like maybe like 33000 or something. <laughs> right. Because they're like counting how much it costs to put the lights on in the office. Oh, so you got hit with health the Health insurance and, you know, like they hit you with your all the 401k expenses. that automatically it's pulled out. So like, yeah, of course. Yeah. But I remember seeing that number and just being blown away and being like, okay, I'll let me think about it. I'll call you back. And hanging up the phone and just crying. Because it was so surreal that you could even 22 be years position. old, yeah. like $52,000. That's cool. And, and it, I, my mom was actually with me when I got the call and we like cried together. And it yeah. was... Um, it was this really cool moment where I was like, wow, I'm actually going to be someone that could be on a path to make six figures in my life. Wow. Isn't that something? Yeah, just what you saw then and what you know now. But it's it's all relative. And so you did that for five years where you wrote software code of yeah. a Fortune 500 company. Yeah. Um, and it was fun. I, I, I would say that, you know, I didn't really know any different. It was just a, a job where I got to use critical thinking and and uh, problem solving all the time. But I would say that I'm generally a naturally connected person to other people. Like I'm mm -hmm. emotional. I like talking to people like at the poker table. I'm always talking to yeah, people yeah. like I just like having fun. And when you're a software developer, there's not a lot of that. You're sitting in a cubicle. You're solving problems by yourself and you're only communicating with the project manager. Well, there's personality tests that show what people are good at and some are very analytical. So it's very rare that someone could be analytical like that and have that social side. Usually those two don't go together. That's why you probably didn't find much of that with your peers. Yeah, and no, definitely not. And also I wasn't the best coder by any stretch of the imagination. Like I remember it would take me longer to do things. Just like I just said, like longer, said yeah. longer to do my tests took me longer to write code. And when I did write the code, it was like four, three to four times as long as it needed to be. It got the job done, got it, got it. but it wasn't the most efficient code. No. So yeah, I, I wouldn't say that it was like, I was just like killing it at that, but it was fun and I, I was doing okay. But the only reason that I even was introduced to poker was because my little brother was living with me at the time he was two years younger than me. So like I said, I got the job when I was 22. Yeah, Andrew. Yeah. And he he didn't want to do the college route. He like tried it and like didn't enjoy it. And it was right when, you know, the moneymaker thing was going on. And he started getting involved in underground poker games and just staying out all night. I would wake up. I'd be putting on my tie in the oh, morning. God. He'd be coming in and I'd be like, where have you been all night? He's like, been playing poker. How'd you do? I won $300. And I'm like, wow, that's insane. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, and then uh, there was another. But I still thought it was just gambling. You know, like, yeah, you didn't see it as a career path or something. You just thought like, man, my brother's really, you probably thought he's probably messing up a little I thought bit, he was right? was struggling. Yeah. And like, I thought that, you know, I could just like show him the way by, by example, 
you know, totally going to school. Yeah, you had it figured out because you were you were prepared to live your life coloring within the lines of what society tells you to do. Of course. And it's just because that's what I knew. Yeah. Well, that's what everyone tells you to do, too. Right. Especially if you do come from uh, lower class income, that's that's what you're taught. That would be like a major goal to get a degree and to get a job and to have fifty two thousand a year. I made it. You had made it. Yeah. So like that was me making it. And my brother was not making it. You know, mm-hmm. he, he was while he was having fun and like playing playing poker and doing OK. Like I didn't charge him. I think I maybe charged him like one hundred dollars a month for rent. You know, and you said he you lived there and he lived with him and Christy Arnett. Christy was, ended up moving in with his, us. Was yeah. that his girlfriend? Yeah. He met her in through underground poker. Like he actually met her at a restaurant. She heard him talking about poker. Oh, wow. She was super into poker. She was playing oh. on like Paradise Poker or whatever. And uh, are they she, still together? married yep i did not know that yeah they're still together they've been together for 20 years or something. wow really yeah did not know that they've had their ups and downs which is a topic well, for another who doesn't? day yeah. yeah um but yeah still together i'm a proud new uncle uncle now miles uh so they're looking good though they're gonna make it yeah they're, that's they're, awesome it's so great well didn't know that that's really cool but so <clears throat> living in in that environment you started to see the poker world from like maybe oh. eventually a different lens. I mean, at what point you mentioned to me that you quit your job of 15 years? I quit my job of five years. Of <clears throat> five years. Okay, I got that yeah. wrong. Uh, five years. And what was that? How did you make that decision? And how did you transition to go, okay, my brother doesn't have it wrong, whether he has it wrong or right, but now I think I want to color outside the line. Yeah, there was a couple catalysts for that. Uh, one was just the longevity of my brother, like making it happen. Like over a year, he was still paying his bills. He mm-hmm. had some money in his bank account. But one of the big catalysts, I remember he was playing on party poker and mm-hmm. he won a turn like a, those step higher tournaments. Yeah. And he won a tournament for like $16,000. Wow. And But it put him into a $16,000 buy-in sit and go. So now he's playing where all nine players are buying in for $16,000. Oh, so you didn't get the money, you had to roll it into you a single table? You have to roll table? it into the next <clears throat> one. So he rolled it oh, all the way to the highest one. He had like $500 in his bank account, but he has $16,000 ticket into this tournament. Wow. Kept trying to play it every month, ever play it every month. They never were able to get this sit and go off the ground. So he oh fin- shit, really? So they finally just cashed him out and they said, here, take the money. Oh. He, he ended up taking that money, getting second place in a tournament in Fort Wayne for like another, 8k or something so now he has over twenty thousand dollars just saved has it and i'm here working for fifty two thousand dollars a year and i'm like wow maybe he is actually figuring something out that i don't know yeah you were struggling for air with that stupid tie you had to put on every day seriously (laughs) yeah indiana was pretty conservative so yeah the tie was a mandatory thing so i started coming home and watching him another thing he did one time i was giving him shit about like not you know working on his life or yeah, doing something. Yeah. He just started forwarding me the poker stars. Congratulations. You have finished first place in a sit and go. <laughs> and he forwarded me like 40 of them in one day. <laughs> oh my God. Really? Yeah. Because they were like heads up sit and goes or whatever. Yeah. And, and I'm like, how much money did you win today? He was like $450. And I'm just like, okay, maybe there's something that I need to look <laughs> at here. here. So I started coming home from work, just sitting over his shoulder and just like, what are you doing here? And he was just employing a very simple strategy back then. It was just play in position, play yeah. aggressively. Right. And it was tournaments. It was singles and tournaments. So I was like, that seems pretty easy. I just deposited, you know, a short, a, a small amount of money. And I started doing, employing the exact same strategy, play tight, play in position, play aggressive. And back then you could be break even just doing those things. Right. It's so, a whole different poker world than it is oh, today. I mean, yeah. It's just, yeah. God, I wish it was those days again, seriously. I came in too late. Um, yeah. So I was able to like break even from the very beginning. Yeah. 
Um, rare. That's very rare. Yeah. So um, that was like my training, him just kind of mentoring me along the way. And But to get to the point where I actually considered leaving my job, it took a shakeup. Andrew actually moved to Vegas. And we had, like I said, we had been so close for so long that I, wow. I, I missed him. He had only been gone a couple months. I was like, I'm coming to Vegas. Like, I'm going to figure out how to make writing software work in Vegas. Mm. So I came to Vegas with no intention to actually play poker for a living. But once you're in Vegas and you see the love that Andrew and Christy have for poker, how much they talk about it. Was she it. grinding for a living too? She was playing poker at that time too. She got a job for card player doing interviews for card player. Yeah. Um, but she was playing a lot of poker as well. And when you surround yourself with people that are so passionate about something, it just rubs off on you. And I started playing more. And uh, yeah, eventually I, I like to say that I quit, but my job was like, you're not, you're not cutting it. Like something needs to happen here. And I was like, okay, we're just parting ways at this point. And I'm going to try to make it work here with poker. And my, I was playing like one, two and one, three at planet Hollywood and the win at the time. And I was like, if I can just make what I make at my job right now, like it's, it's a win because sure. it's the freedom. It's living in Vegas, being around my brother, picking my own hours, being able to go to the gym at midnight, like all these things, visiting my friends in Phoenix, five hour drive away without having to like tell my boss that I need time off. Yeah. You weren't in bondage to the grind of, of yeah. society. And the first couple of months like went well where I made actually more than I did. And it's, it's crazy, even though it wasn't like a linear path and I had ups and downs and, you know, lost all my money at times and had Andrew put me back in the game, ran it back up, spent too much money at the club, spent too much money traveling spent too much money on girls, like all these things. I made a lot of mistakes. Once I got separated from that Fortune 500 life of uh, writing code, one month, two months, six months, that window of me going back to that life. Shutting. It just started shutting to the point of where I was like, I can't do that anymore. You can never do it. No. Yeah. <clears throat> I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I uh, had some jobs, you know, in my teens and uh, at 22 started my own business. And, you know, I wrote in that book, one thing I wrote, you know, and in, in even if you're grinding in poker or you're grinding in another business that's yours and not somebody else's, I wrote, you know, I'll work 80 hours a week not to work 40. Mm -hmm. just flat out I, yeah. I, it's there's a whole difference of over you know working as much as you if you're doing it for yourself you still have your freedom because yeah. it's your choice you don't yeah. have to show up definitely yeah uh, working for other people is uh it's i feel like there's a shelf life on your happiness and autonomy yeah yeah and and we'll be real clear for some of the people out there look you know if 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 you're making a living and you're supporting a family and and you're a blue collar worker or whatever it is hey look there's 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 nothing there's nothing wrong with it it's just that i believe yeah. that there's more to life than that well, here's and the that's thing. what i believe here's the thing is that if i would have never been introduced to poker and if i would have stayed in that life and you know built up my 401k retired mm -hmm. I'd be in a great spot right now. Yeah. I'd have a happy life. Everything right. would be great. And so there's nothing taking away from that. That's right. It's just, I've tasted both. Yeah. And personally, because I've been on this other side for so long now, I'm oh, on you this can't. side now. Oh, right? you can't. Yeah. yeah. You can't go back. That's if someone, if I had to do, I can't. Yeah. Literally can't. So mm -hmm. I, I don't, I get it. And, mm -hmm. and that window, like you said, the longer you stay in the other side, you, it just shuts. Yeah. Yeah. It's you're done. You got to keep figuring it out. Mm -hmm. So how long did it take you to work your way up the ranks? Tell me a little bit about that. You said you started playing one, three in Vegas. You did mention to me, um, about building your bankroll up to six figures and losing it. Mm -hmm. 
Sounds like most poker players, you grinded your way, then you moved to San Diego, right? And yeah, started playing bigger. So I was in Vegas for about five years doing the like one three two five thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're making a living? Yeah. I was, you know, making like thirty five to fifty five thousand dollars a year, which was sure. like, you know, basically what I was making as a software sure, developer, yeah. you know, and Vegas isn't overly expensive. I didn't have like all the typical Vegas vices with like drugs and that kind of thing. I did like to spend money at the club. But spending money at the club in 15 years ago was not like spending when money. When you say a club, you mean a bar? No, like a, like excess nightclub, right? Yeah, nightclub. I would get like six of my guy friends together. Table. We would get a table. Yeah. It would cost us $200 a piece. Nobody knew where the DJ was. The DJ was in some back corner. Yeah. But that's all changed now. It's like now yeah. they have like headliners coming in. The yeah. DJ's in the main area. You're not getting a table and splitting it between six guys and spending two hours anymore. Not anymore, no. But you just, you know, and like you said, you probably had to grow out of that a little bit. I grew out of it. You know, it was the first time in my life that I was actually single as well. So Hmm. uh, I was learning how to be single. I was learning how to be independent. I was learning how to make a living on my own. I was learning just so much about life, you know. Um, But I did that for five years and I never really broke through any kind of ceiling. Like I never moved up to 510 in Vegas. I never really grew my bankroll in Vegas beyond like thirty to forty thousand dollars. And you need more than that if you're going to be playing 510 regularly. Sure. And I wasn't good enough to play 510 regularly. I Not only was I like not great with my money at that point, I wasn't good enough to beat the 510 games in Vegas at that time. And one of my, by chance, I met a guy named Brian Kim, who was a, a yeah. kid in college back then uh, playing in Vegas. And we just became like best buds, like right away. Yeah, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm really and, close with Brian Kim, but I never, I never knew that story. And uh, he, he said he was gonna move. He started going to Ocean's Eleven, and renting Airbnbs and playing at Ocean's Eleven. He's like, he's like, look, I think that you should come out here and like try it out here. Like, I know you're kind of like stunted, stunted here in Vegas. Now, yeah. And I think that like this could help take you to the next level. Let's get a place together. Like, he'll, he'll find a place for it. Like, we found a place together. It was like right near the beach in Oceanside. And um, he got the master bedroom because he was making more money than me. And I got the downstairs bedroom and we just like moved in together and um, started grinding at Oceans like full time. And that was a major game changer for me. What? How was that a game changer? What? I mean, in so many ways. Yeah. Tell me. Tell me some of the ways like because one of my questions here under Brian Kim's name when you said it, I added it was like, how did you study poker to get better? How do you study now? What does being in the lab look like to you? And how did Brian Kim uh, uh, make your trajectory faster or higher. Yeah. So when I met Brian, I was playing like two, five in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And like I said, making like 35 to $55,000 a year. Yeah. And Brian was a one, two player was not, was $1, not $2. Yeah. Was so not winning money. He was like a college student. I remember distinctly one time I was at the Venetian and he came up to me and he's like, Hey, can I borrow $200 to get in this one, two game? Wow. Yeah. And I was like, I got you. So but which I never did for anyone, but I felt like he was like a little brother to me. Mm-hmm. So I kind of felt like I was taking him under my wing. But then he had such a hunger for the game mm-hmm. and he was younger and uh, also didn't have that thing with money that I had. And he yeah. was able to like, he, he went all in with the study. Like he was all in on the, the um, he, he networked with like other people that were like going all in on poker as well. And he just started ascending and he would talk to me about poker like we 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 weren't overly like studious together we Mm. were more just like buds like our conversations were a lot like what do you think i should do about this girl that i have a crush on ah 
and not as much like, what do you Got think it. I should do with Ace Got King? You know oh, no, I mean? totally. I didn't know. So how were you, how did you study poker then, then yeah. and now? How, how, what's it was your just, lab work it, look At like? that point, it was logging all of my hands in a database online on PokerStars. And back then it was all like we could play on PokerStars. I was, I was playing a lot on PokerStars as well yeah. and Full Tilt Poker. Um, and looking through the database and saying, okay, I'm in the small blind with Ace Queen. How many times did I call? How many times did I three bet? What what sizings did I use when I three bet? Mm. Oh, there's this other guy who I notice is crushing on full tilt. His name is Nicolak Poker. Shout out to John Kim, who's uh, still playing poker today, I believe. What is he doing from the small blind? How wow. often is he three betting? Oh, his his frequency is this from the small blind. I'm not being as aggressive as I need to be from the small blind. So it was like a lot of self-study through like hold manager databases and modeling my game after who I thought were the best sure. players online. So smart, duplication. Because we didn't have solvers, we didn't have like, uh, card runners had just started, but there mm. were no like uh, training sites like that. So, uh, and, and I work best like just kind of di di diving into data. Like that's that's how, I'm, data, I'm a data-driven guy. So yeah, my self-study was that, but it can only take you so far. Because like totally. I can see how much Nikolak Poker is three betting from the small blind. I can see how much he's, I can see how often he's opening from under the gun, but I don't see the range of hands that he's doing it with. That's right. I, I mean, like ranges came later and, yeah. you know, I figured that stuff out later, but now I'm just trying to infer and I'm trying to make my stats match his through some like process of elimination and error. So yeah, using what you can with the limited info you have. Exactly. Making so, the best of it. And, I, you know, I was winning money online as well, uh, but I had a decent rake back deal on full tilt. So when I would get tilted from playing live, I would go online hmm. when I would get tilted from playing or bored from playing live online. I would go back to live. Oh, wow. So I had this balance of going back and forth. And right. then on black Friday, when it shut down, it's like right when I was like, well, I'm not making as much as I need to make live poker. Brian's making good money in Oceanside. Let's go move in with Brian. Let's sure. talk poker with Brian every day. Yeah. Let's, you know, see if we can like, if I can get better with like living by osmosis, by like living in the same house as him. Totally. Talking poker with him. Synergy, man. Yeah. And just like, um, I felt like I was good for him in a lot of ways. You know, I was like, pick up your shit. Like, this is what you need to do to be an adult. Like, you know, yeah. and he was good for me in a lot of ways. Did uh, he ever give you any good pointers with the chicks? Uh, so I had just settled down with a girl who I'm, I'm currently married now. We've been together for 12 years. So oh. it's funny because my current wife, my girlfriend at the time, we moved in together with Brian. Oh, okay. She, I lived with Brian for six months in Oceanside and then she moved in. So she thinks of Brian as her little brother now. Nice. And uh, yeah, we have this like cool family dynamic. We still like, he's one of things. the nicest guys that I ever met in yep. poker, even when he was a killer and yeah, I'm still a fish, but when I was a super fish, he was, and I know you're always nice to the fish, but he was legitimately like a cool guy and would a lot of times like, give me pointers and say like you know whatever and most pros don't yeah. do that right <clears throat> yeah. so just a great guy um what do you do these days are you know i know you make a lot of content uh with your with your vlog it was very successful do you are you still in the lab do you still study and if you do what do you do now yeah there's definitely been an evolution there was like i said that that period of time where mm -hmm. right after i went to oceanside and started playing at oceans love and started playing the five five game I started making six figures a year and I was like, I'm just going to do this forever. Like if I can just make $110,000 a year playing five, 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 ten at Palomar, 
I'm just not going to change anything. Right. Like this is the life. Like right. I, I work 25 yeah, hours. I work 25 hours a week, you know, like sure. relatively low variance. I didn't even have to play very crazy back then. Like yeah. it, it was just like a relatively. It was a different time. So I didn't really study that hard, honestly. Yeah. It was just, yeah. co I was coasting and Brian was not coasting. He went from the five, five games where I, I was playing. He started driving up to LA and just disappearing for like four days at a time coming home with like 60 grand more than he left with. <laughs> yeah. And, and then like he would, he would be at Ocean's 11 and I, I had like a really good balance cause I was building a new relationship with my wife. He would go and he would be like playing heads up for like hours upon hours and he'd come home with every chip on the table, like 60 yeah. grand. Yeah. And, and like, so he ascended while I coasted. Sure. And so while we did talk poker and he, he would put me in some bigger games sometimes take action from me he was way more serious about it. And I didn't take poker serious until because I was doing so well until probably the pandemic. The pandemic is like when I was oh, like, wow. I probably need to do something right now. Otherwise I'm going to get left behind. Like what, why would the pandemic be the time for you to be left behind? Like I don't, I don't track. Well, well because there was no more live games Oh. and I was like, okay, so now I'm gonna have to play online and it's harder. And it's harder. Yeah. And like, I'm going to get exposed more. So sure. now I need to study more. Mm. And uh, so it was a good thing of ultimately. Ultimately, it helped me take. The other thing is the, the vlog helped me take things to the next level mm. because I was like, now I'm accountable to more than just myself. That's right. And, and like now and, and also getting married and feeling like, you know, also the game's going away. Game's dying. Five, ten game. Palomar got bulldozed. That place doesn't exist anymore. I used to go in there every morning, start the game at 10 o'clock. We'd play three handed. And then the game, they would close at two. It was a 5K buy-in. It was all recreational players. And it was just like my honey hole. That place yeah, got, rated, cherry patch. got raided by the FBI, got closed down, got bulldozed. So like these things happen and you're like, okay, now I got to go find somewhere else to play poker. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to move to LA because mm -hmm. Olga didn't want to go to LA. So What's her name? Olga, my wife. Olga, yeah. She okay. didn't want to go to, she wanted to stay in San Diego. So we tried making it work in San Diego for a while did the vlog started playing five five again which is pretty demoralizing when you're playing 10 20 and 5 10 and you know you're it's making, hard to do that too and yeah and to stay disciplined when you go down you know you're making i was making like 150 to 170 dollars an hour and then now i have to play a game where i'm gonna make 50 to 80 dollars an hour right and so do you put in more hours do you accept do i, the, do I study you more the do I, you know the do minus I, do i make more content do i like i wasn't making any money off my content so it's definitely a real crossroads and I think that's one of the reasons why my vlog took off is because I was so open, honest, and vulnerable with the, the spots where we were at, where I was like, hey, I don't have this game anymore. I'm going to make some videos. Uh, we're going to play 5-5. Five five. Like, you guys are going to see like, right. how much someone who plays poker for a living can make playing 5-5. Five five. I did a series called Embrace the Grind, where I played 30 days in a row, kind of just gave people an insight. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I'm jumping around a lot. but No, it's okay. I, I think we're doing good. Uh, not we're not jumping that much as you think. But but basically once the pandemic happened, it was just another catalyst for me saying like, okay, I don't have my live games. I can't even play five, five anymore. Like now all these games are going private. I don't have access to big games. What am I going to do? Okay. Uh, people are hitting me up to play club poker online. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I talked to a guy who set up a club. He allowed me to play in his club. I, he allowed my brother to play in the club as well. And it's my, on an app on an app. Yeah. yeah. Put his poker bros like back, mm -hmm. back in the day. Yeah. And, um, 
I, I studied and I, I, I also played like I would do meetup games where I would wake up and we would get together with guys at like noon. We play like one, two and then we would play for like 12 hours after the meetup games for like that. Then I would hop on and play five ten, get my ass kicked, figure it out. Talk to Andrew, play five ten again, win a lot. And, and then I, I talked to the guy who ran the club. And I'm like, like, he's like, hey, we're going to have to kick your brother out of the club. He's like winning too much money. Yeah. And I was like, well, who are the biggest winners in the club? And he's like, you and your brother. Like, you and your brother are the yeah. only You're guys that are grinding. winning so much money. So yeah. I was like, okay, I am getting better. Like, it felt like it was once you're getting validated yes. for actually yes. doing well, you, it gives you even more energy to put effort and. That and is it, true. I know yeah. that firsthand. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. So then after the pandemic was over, still like big games were hard to come by. I had I had done a little bit. I had done well online, and uh, I actually done well with um, um, uh, Board Ape. I mm-hmm. I bought a uh, a digital picture of a monkey for a low price, and and <laughs> and ended up selling it for a high price. You're lucky you sold it. Yeah, and then um, you know, I, also the thing with online poker during the pandemic was like dealing a lot in Bitcoin and things like that. Of course, yeah. That went up a lot. It was going crazy. <laughs> that and the apes and the frogs and all these pictures yeah, and, and the I, NFTs and I was like, going nuts. Maybe I should buy some real estate. How much did you make on an ape? Um, with all like, when it was all said and done, over 300000 What the hell? Yeah. Who the hell pays that much for a picture of an ape? Yeah, it was mind? crazy. I, I never got it. I got so lucky. Like, I don't pretend to, to be no, like, I some it. genius. It's, it was timing. It was timing. It was like timing with the pandemic. And yeah actually getting a hold of with of some cryptocurrency at that yeah, time when yeah. it was like $3,000 a coin Timing. went up to $60,000 a coin Boom. decided hey this is kind of a risky investment maybe i should buy a property bought a property in cabo so smart now bro. we're airbnb being that that's making us you know $5,000 $4,000 a month Very or whatever smart. so like i've finally finally started making some decent decisions in my life that's good and you know things have obviously gone well for me with well, you got to take care of olga Got to take care of Olga. Mm-hmm. The pressure of my brother just crushing it. Like he, a little he, bit of a competitive nature. To, competitive to nature, catch up. yeah. And that's actually one of the reasons why I switched, started switching to certain tournaments is because the big games, like you, you and Art talked about in the previous episode, mm-hmm. you can't just walk into a casino and play no a ten twenty game even anymore. Like how crazy is that? Ten twenty. Yeah. Commerce would have like 12 10 20 games back in the day. I've said that a million times. I don't understand it. Like Do they what, even what, get a 10 20 anymore? Uh, well, I I played in one. What's today's date? December what? Uh the 26th. 26th. Maybe 3 4 weeks ago I went in there screwing around and there was one table. Okay. Doesn't happen very often and it had about four players in there that were including me that were not great for the game. Yeah. And all the local guys, guys I, re- I recognized from, you know, 10 15 20 years ago and um but no. And I was going to ask you, why do you think <clears throat> back in the day, I asked Art this and I don't think we really had an answer. I guess maybe people going broke or the game's changing and it's not as easy. I, I don't know what it is, but like you said, I, 10, 15 years ago, you can walk into the Commerce Club and there was like eight, nine, 10 tables deep and it was must moves and the action was sick and it would go for days. And it's like now you go in there and it ain't happening nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Well, there's a, I mean, in my personal opinion, there's a couple of reasons. One of the reasons is the privatization of games. Um, there's definitely mm-hmm. been a, but there's not a lot like for that many games, like you have private games, but they're not, they don't compete with the abundance that there was. The other thing that I think is happening is a lot of the guys are moving to tournaments. Mm. And another thing that I think is happening is that the recreational players there's so there's there's two different classes of recreational players that 
that were really feeding the ecosystem back in the day. There were the recreational players that always lost and always played passively and always called it off. And those were the ones that you just loved. Right. And they were the ones that got eaten up. Right. That like disappeared quickly. Yeah. The other recreational players that were aggressive, that actually won sometimes, would walk out of the casino like $15,000 richer sometimes, usually $15,000 poorer, but sometimes they'd actually win. Sure. They're the ones that actually got moved into private games. They're the ones that actually still survive to this day. Aren't quite as, aren't quite as like, you know, you don't really love playing with them, but like you're, you're like, okay, this is still they're like, not total fish. Yeah. They're not total fish. Like yeah, they're there gonna, are a lot of recreational gonna, players that can hold their own. They're going to crush you sometimes. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. You know, I found something interesting that goes back to what we were talking about studying back in the day, what players didn't have and what they have today and all the different mathematics and the solvers and the, the charts. Uh, I, I did a two hour interview with Daniel Negrano, uh, uh, a week or two ago, I think Even it was. Here. Uh, I, I I zoomed him. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's he's too big time to. Yeah, I was to gonna come. say that's pretty big. <laughs> yeah, it would have been. Got cool. him into the end. No, I got NBA him onto Enterprise. the zoom, but it was a great. It's gonna come out probably after the first year. It was a great interview in so many respects. It was one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. But regardless, the point is, uh, he was. T- we were talking about like <clears throat> back in the day, the legends, and some of them, you know, poker just passed them by, and then some like Daniel and some you know, were able to stay relevant and study and catch up and, yeah. you know, bring their game to what it is. And he was telling me, which I just thought was so interesting, but really, if you think about it, it had to be done this way. He was saying like, you know, guy like Doyle, <clears throat> you know, there was no solvers, there was no charts. What he would do is he would take ace king and put it up against whatever hands and he would run out of board 300 times to see what that's the wild. fucking stats were. Right? Yeah, that's wild, wild, right? Yeah. Like that's wild, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's I, true dedication. to the game. Yeah, that, that's like, but I never thought about it like that. And when he told me that, I thought it was one of the, and there's his book, by the way, The Super System. That's the old OG one there. Um, But it's so different how it was back in the day. And then even it evolves to the moneymaker time and wherever, where the boom happened. And even for a guy like me that could semi walk out of the casino with a win here and there, right? Like I'm that guy back in the day, like it was so juicy. And it just like what I know about poker now, if I could just be in that time, like it's yeah. so my God for the crushers were just probably I, I can't imagine how much they miss it. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of respect for people that have made poker as their primary source of income or a large portion of their income or a, a, and made it and done it for a long period of time. Yeah. You know, 15 plus. Years. Not easy, bro. And, and here's the thing about myself is like. I would never have been able to do this if it wasn't for the support system around me. If it wasn't for the supportive wife who always was encouraging me when, you know, you know when you're at the casino and you're down, you hit some of low dollars points. Yeah. And you message your wife and you, you tell her that I had a kind of, I had the kind of wife. It took a while um, through like, you know, her learning how things worked. I had the kind of wife that was like, how you feeling? You feeling good? Give me a pep talk. You got this. Good let's, for let's you. break the game. Let's good let, for her. Let's wait till it's heads up. You're gonna sit. You're eventually gonna be heads up with a guy that doesn't know what he's doing, and uh, break the game tonight. We'll see what happens. I'd come home and like half the time I would you know make back a ton of money. Other times I wouldn't. And she and she'd be supportive. She'd be like, "There's you know real what? power behind having someone like that in your life." And then my brother, you know, like yeah. my, I coasted for so long, and my brother was like, "Hey, I'm not coasting. Get your shit together. Like we're we're gonna like if you wanna like." study with me if you want to like be in the same like poker conversations with me you're gonna have to study so 
he pulled me up. Like I went broke a couple times and he gave me money. And, and honestly, like he went broke a couple times and I gave him money. So yeah, just having this support system, mm-hmm. there's no possible way that I would have made it 15 years uh, with poker being my primary source of income. If it didn't, if I didn't have like a very strong, robust support system. Yeah. I think I played with him once or twice. He played on the stream once or twice and mm-hmm. what a nice guy. Yeah, oh great. my God. Yeah, he's like my guru. He's just such a, he's such a pure, nice guy. Like there's no, there's no phoniness to that. Well, he's that. deep. He, he like thinks about the world in yeah. a very deep way. Yeah. And uh, he doesn't talk a lot, but when he does talk, it lands. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very nice guy. And, and I've gotten to know you just a bit, not a lot. And I feel the same way. Like regardless if you guys didn't have two nickels rubbed together, you're raised right. Somehow something happened good in there because you guys are both like good people. You don't fit in <clears throat> to a lot. We'll get to this. You don't fit into a lot of the poker community because you're you got, you're, you're so nice. Like yeah. you're not supposed to be nice in the poker community. Yeah, I don't think. That's I mean, what I'm learning. Well, here's the interesting thing. I mean, we can go down the content route now. I mean, yeah. The thing about content when I first started creating it is that it was poker players who were just looking for creative outlets to express how things were going in poker. Like I actually, it was a cathartic experience for me. I would actually post videos more often of me losing because it was like a way for me to like vent. Sure. And, uh, you know, get away from the poker And people table. love that. They love self-deprecation. They love you to expose yourself that you're not just trying to be like the greatest of all yeah. time. You know? and, and like I didn't, there was no beefs. Like I didn't have to like talk mess about Andrew Nimi, who was like a friend of mine, you know, like I didn't have to be like, oh, his vlog sucks or whatever. But now it's evolved to the point of where you don't even have to be a poker player to start making, to becoming popular as a poker video maker. Yeah. Uh, You can just come into it and say, I'm going to make, I'm going to go all in on videos. This is kind of what Rampage did. But what I give Rampage a lot of credit for is he actually became a good player. You know, he, he yes. attacked it from the, the I'm going to create content first route and he followed it up with like study and results and he's got rings, he's got bracelets, he's got yeah. high roller wins. Like yeah. I give that guy so much credit, Totally, but the evolution of him so fast is crazy. Yeah. But, but what's happening nowadays is people are coming into creating videos for clout, for an opportunity to make money for the wrong reasons in my personal opinion mm-hmm. and people can feel it one of the ways that you get attention is by controversy or drama yeah. or talking shit Jesus. or you know throwing other people under the bus mm. and it's obviously never something that i've done and i i don't really i don't i don't like it because regardless of how you try to separate your online persona from your real life persona it's pretty much impossible. Yeah. If you are doing something online, like calling someone out or having a beef with someone, it's going to affect you in your real life. Like even if you try to separate it, there's going to be something there that you take home with your wife and maybe it comes up in an argument or like Fuck. now you're irritable or like sure. now you're not being the like best version of yourself because you have this energy out here. So it, it's kind of unfortunate because I actually find myself falling into this trap too. Like, if I see something that is drama or clickbaity, I click on it. Yeah. I watch it. Yeah. Like the whole Jack Four thing. Like I was like watching Joey's live streams. I was watching 
you know, video replays of everything. Yeah, it's like when we drive, that's why there's traffic when there's an accident. Everyone's going to slow down and take their look, man. Yeah, so as much as I say, like, I don't want to be a part of it. You understand it. I understand why it is. And like, Yeah, how do you feel about it, though, ultimately? Even though you'll stop by and take a good look at the crash, how, how do you ultimately feel about that? Do you think there's a place for it? Do you think it's fine? Do you think it's reckless? I mean, whatever. Yeah, I think that it's ultimately it's bringing more eyeballs to the game of poker. Mm -hmm. And it's an industry that has struggled to grow. Yeah. So I think that in a in a holistic look at it, I think it's good. Like having Mm -hmm. drama, having discourse, having back and forth. The problem is, is that if I'm involved in it, it's actually like bad for my life. Bad for my well-being. You, f- you fell prey, <clears throat> you mentioned to me, because we talked. By the way, you were one of the, I have a lot of people that support me off off the field. Uh, but you, during this Jack 4 thing and, and some of the targeting that was coming my way, you were one of the only people that stuck up for me online. I don't know if you know that. There's a couple people that did, but, well, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say the only people. There's, there's a handful of people did, some vigorously for me, close friends of mine. But we weren't close friends, and, and you got in there and were like, this is retarded. This is ridiculous. Like, this mm-hmm. is no way this happened. And, like, stop yeah. that, you know. And uh, I, I want to thank you for that because not a lot of people did that, you know. Yeah. And But you have said you've, you've fallen prey to getting attacked and and then fighting back and having it be completely negative EV for you to had done that. For sure. That's yeah. what happened it goes me. back to the energy thing that I was talking about. Yeah, but the but energy. On, but honestly, like you and I didn't grow up in social media. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're not even that much older than me. I'm, I'm already in my 40s. So I'm pretty. I'm older. <laughs> but go. I get what you mean. Um, so I didn't even create my first YouTube video until I was 36. Mm. So I had no social media profiles. Like I, I was like not mm-hmm. popular on social media. I was a guy that played poker and stayed under the radar and like didn't travel the tournament circuit. Nobody knew me unless you lived in L.A. or San Diego or Vegas. You probably didn't. But starting these vlogs and becoming more known in the poker community, you you took a few shells. I I was learning on the job. Right. So um, you took heat for marking up markup in a WSOP from a couple people. I think it was Sean Deeb and and, And Doug uh, Doug Polk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but like like I said, the first probably two years of me creating videos on YouTube, it was so much praise. It was like, thank you for showing mm. us the real side of poker. Thank you for making videos. Oh my gosh, your videos are so great, high quality. And that kind of got to my head a little bit. I was like, wow, people really love me. Yeah, yeah. You know, it feels like, good when you, when someone <laughs> affirms you, right? For sure, and especially when you're not used to it and you've never really like created like content like that or never mm-hmm. didn't, have no experience with this kind of thing. Um, it almost feels like a drug, you know? Totally. And, and then when you have someone who, and, and I'm like, these people see me, these people like, I'm like letting them in, I'm being vulnerable with right. them. And then when you have someone who starts to attack you, who has a, a voice, who has a platform, Sean Deeb had a platform, he had tens of thousands of followers on Twitter. Doug Polk had a platform, he has hundreds of thousands of followers on YouTube. And I'm like, these people have never watched one of my videos. They've never played poker with me. They don't play cash games in Southern California. They don't even know you. They don't know me. Yeah, your character. And they're calling me a scammer. And I'm like, this is just outrageous. Like I, How I, bad did that hurt? Be honest. A lot. A lot. A lot. Yeah. Because when someone who you, I like, I kind of respected them in a lot of ways. Like I respected what Doug Polk had built in his, totally. in his business. I yeah, respected, he does, he's very good at what he does. I respected mm-hmm. him as a poker player. I respected Sean Deeb as a poker player. I didn't know them otherwise. Sean Deeb's one of the 
he's like one of the top poker players out there. For he's, sure. he's very good. Yeah. So I had, um, so when I, when I had those things coming at me, first of all, I wanted to defend myself because like, I'm like inaction is almost like affirming. I know, you know, it's that, a real head fuck because if you, if you lean heavy into it to defend yourself, you just get slaughtered because you can't beat it. And then yeah. if you lay back, like you said, then you're just like, oh, it must be true because he won't say anything. Yeah. So I started with the, the comebacks and some of my comebacks were like hurtful, you know, like I, I mm -hmm. said mean things to them, which actually made me feel worse. Like I say Damn, bad dude. shit and now all of a sudden I'm feeling worse. So it's like it wasn't even working like, oh, I got them. No, I, I didn't get them like. I got myself really this conversation wasn't planned i say this every time when i'm talking to someone because they think it is but you just outlined exactly how i felt when um i'll just say the name i usually avoid it but like matt burke was attacking our show not he attacks me now personally but only because we went to like war and i did what you did i leaned too far in but i will tell you that the same thing for me it just was not a positive for me like I'm not, and I'll, maybe he is, I, I think he's something, I, I'm not a narcissist, right? Like I don't have the ability to not give a shit, mm -hmm. totally, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think he does, okay. So you can't win a war against somebody that just is, always thinks they're completely right. And so for me, when I said things and I outed him on something and did some things, it really made me feel worse. Not feel worse because I got any negative feedback from it. it immediately I did, when I put up a post, I immediately felt worse about mm -hmm. myself and I took it down prior to anything being said or done, but it was already up there and the damage was done. So I have fall, fallen prey to this exact thing. Well, I'll just say it too, like just because people like hearing about this shit. There's two posters over there, yeah, okay? Saw, that are not up on my wall. I've had them for a while now, okay? <laughs> they are of Matt Berkey. I'm not yeah. gonna say what they are. Yeah. But they are in reference to the thing he has right next to him. So mm -hmm. now you guys could go go give him some clicks yeah. right next to him where I, I had my social media team who put up seven years ago a meme that said something about successful people break the rules. Mm -hmm. Well, he turned that into me like, oh, well, if he break the rules in anything, how first of all, he didn't even know what the fuck he was talking about because it was seven years ago and he thought I had just put it up because someone else put it up and he leaned into it. He never does his research. He's like only lies. Okay, I don't care. So now I'm dead. He's going to go do his thing. And At this point, you might, just, <laughs> might as well just put the posters up because you, you're, going, you're going so far down the road. Yeah, so now. whatever. <laughs> so I could always edit it, but I'm not going to. But uh, and so point is, is like I, I made something up that I was going to put up to just kind of have fun with. And then like when you came in and you saw it, you're like, oh, holy shit. And then I said, yeah, I just have been reluctant because like you said, as soon as I do it, as soon as I say this in the pods out, it's like now I'm opening that same negative energy up to me. And uh, I'm only talking about because this happened. It's true. And we're on the subject. But it's uh, yeah, it's a real shame because you can't win. No. Yeah. Especially with, uh, you know, I would classify Sean Deba as someone who doesn't think that he's ever wrong. And also Doug, I see that. And also Doug Polk doesn't think that he's ever wrong. He's like very they're both very opinionated. OK. On what they believe. And Same with Matt. Yeah. So when I tried to fight back, it didn't work, obviously. Like they're like, oh. they don't care. Yeah. And they don't care. Yeah. And they, and like Doug has, and I, and I know you mentioned this, you're good with Doug. I'm good with Doug too. I consider him good now. We're friends. Um, but you know, these guys that have hundreds of thousands of people, they're like, they're like little armies mm -hmm. and they, they live for this shit. They're, they love when that kind of stuff happens because people feed off it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so like, I obviously made a lot of mistakes with that. And but what do you do now? If it happens, you just stay quiet. It's hard to say, man. I because recently I seen you go back and forth with Sean, didn't Ye you? Nah. As, no, was that an old thing? 
I don't. Uh, Maybe not. Nothing. Nothing, nothing too big, serious. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm back and forth with Sean, like it's just a, it's an accomplishment that we're both not blocked now. You know. Right from each other. Yeah. Right. So so that that says a lot. But why do you? Th okay. How about this? Because I'm good with Sean too. I hope. I don't know how he feels about me, but I I have no beef with him. I he's cool to me. If he does stuff that I, says stuff, then I don't hear it. I don't know. But why? Why would your percentage markup matter to somebody? Why would that happen? I And the reason I keep asking this to guests that bring it up themselves is mm -hmm. because I'm perplexed by someone who wants to go after someone for that. Like, why? Yeah. Like, well, I don't give a shit what you do when you mark up. If someone wants to pay it, who cares? Yeah. I will say that he didn't just do this with me. Like, he's done this with a lot of people. I know that. So I know uh, that that's special constant. And... No, it's not just you. It's everybody. But why is my question? What is the reason? Like, I don't really, really want to dig into that. But but what I will say is that yeah. when I did those things and, it, and I realized that I wasn't uh, accomplishing what I wanted to accomplish, I ended up uh, just betting Sean. I was like, I'll just bet you that my World Series of Poker results will be better than your World Series of Poker results. But what did that have to do with when in, you charged? In these... In these tournaments that we're mutually playing together, in the package that I'm selling, because okay. I feel like I'm winning in this package. Right. And all it really, in my mind, if I make this bet, then he can't talk to me anymore, because like I'm putting my money where my got mind it, is. got it. You're not trying to hustle someone. You're saying I'm worth this price. Yes. And, and I'm willing I, to bet you I'm that willing I am. to bet you that That's I'm going to do better than you in these tournaments, and I won. And did I, you guys I, bet? We did bet. Oh. And I won the bet. How much? Uh, it was for 5,000. Cool. One to one. It was each. more of the principal. Yeah. So um, I actually got to collect 10,000 though. That's the part because we had to escrow. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it feels better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys didn't trust each other, huh? Yeah. Well, he, he said that he wouldn't bet with me unless I escrowed. Okay. This is another piece of the story, but I escrowed yeah. with Joey Ingram oh. that day that he said that. I was like, okay, I'll escrow with Joey. Oh. Is Joey fine with you? Very interesting. And he's like, Joey's fine with me. Somebody that we both trust. So I immediately sent Joey five thousand dollars. When it was time to collect the ten thousand, I was so excited to go to Joey and ex ex collect that ten thousand. Joey was like, uh, "Sean never sent me any money," and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> so I have to escrow." Wow! But you don't have to escrow. And then he's like, "Oh, come on, I'm good for it." And I'm like, <laughs> in my mind, like I'm like, I'm way more good for it than you are. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. but but in his mind, it's the opposite. Yeah. So I was just like, no, like, I don't actually want to see you. I don't want to be in your presence. So I just want you to honor the agreement that we had. Send it to him. Send it to Joey. I'll get it from Joey. And he's like, what, are you scared to talk to me? And I'm just like, no, I just don't want to be around you. Like, it's not part of our bet. So he ended up giving it to Joey, I believe. I I didn't have to see him regardless. So. Right. Have you seen him since? Uh, yeah, we actually. You good? <laughs> we got in a huge argument at the WSOP one time in the hallway. After this. After this. Um, oh my God. I, I was drinking, you know, right. And, and, uh, I, I it was the first time I seen him since that point. And I, I saw him in the hallway and I said, <clears throat> Hey, tough guy, you want to talk right now? Wow. And I got in his face and I was like, what do you have to say about anything that's happened? Like you have a big mouth online. You want to have a big mouth right now? Wow. You know, because what's was, up, Antonio? I, well, I hate bullies. You know, no, and I do too. I, and I felt, I like do it, too. I felt like it was my chance in real life to stand up to an what happened? bully. Nothing. He backed down, and he was just like, you know, no, he, we're cool. No, he was talking shit. Oh, okay. 
but he was like, it, it was just not a productive. Too many cameras too. You really can't go. It was a pr not a productive conversation. Yeah, it's dumb. Since then, I have, I believe I've sent him messages saying like, no hard feelings. I've unblocked you. No, no. Did, it, did he reciprocate that? I don't know. Yeah, I, but I but we're fine. Like, okay, good. We're not going to be friends, but we're not going to be. Yeah, enemies and either. I want to be clear. I have no beef with Sean. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. This is just your story, so you're yeah. telling it. Uh, same with Doug. Nothing. But with my Doug, friend. it's completely different. Like Doug did call me a scammer, um, and I did like exceed my markup. My markup was, which was not even very high, honestly. It was for main event, Colossus, Millionaire Maker, mm -hmm. Monster Stack, um, those tournaments. What was the markup? 1.3 it was 38 percent markup which arguably should be higher because it includes the main event and everybody sells for absurd amounts for the main event got it but and, and it's those weekend tournaments which is all like mm -hmm. massive fields huge payoffs so yes yes i think it was probably a little bit low but because i didn't have a tournament track record in their mind i was scamming anyways oh i see i i made you didn't have the ability to charge that because you weren't proven Yes. Okay, I got it. I just I never knew anything about it. Okay. But uh, I ended up cashing like all the tournaments and having like a sixty percent markup or sixty percent ROI, something like that. Yeah. Doug never apologized, which I didn't expect him to apologize. But I've moved past that, and and Good. now like Doug and I have like normal discourse on Twitter. That's great. There's no point in holding grudges. Be. Like I'm glad I, I'm not the type of person that wants to have this kind of energy in my life, which is why like I'm fine with Sean now. Fine yeah. with Doug. If I saw Doug in person, I'd be like, hey, what's up? Hi, my name's Johnny. You know, I've had discourse with Phil Helmuth as well. You know, like, I don't know how. I think, I think, I think this is it. As an older brother, I have a real issue with bullies. So if I see mm -hmm. someone who I think is a bully, Sean D, Doug Polk, Phil Helmuth, I just don't like that personality. I don't like that energy. I stand up to bullies. You know, my, I remember my brother was getting bullied one time in uh in like seventh grade i stepped in and handled it like this is just who i am as an older yeah. brother yeah know? we're a lot alike that way too i i feel the same way i i've always been for the underdog but here's the thing it's the online stuff you can't win so the only way to stand up to a bully is in person mm -hmm. because online you're just drawn dead yeah. especially if you care yeah 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 i've learned a lot and when you say like how would i handle it nowadays like yeah. i would do my best to take the high road yeah. Whatever, however that looks. I don't know how that I'm looks. I'm trying but. to do that in every case. Like I'm really trying to do that. It's the only way you can survive and keep your, like you said, because if not that, that negative energy, that toxic shit rolls into your relationships. It rolls mm -hmm. into your, your kind of your attitude. For me, it ran into my poker game. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't have much poker game, but whatever I do have, it affected it right after the Jack four it, and I couldn't win. It's going to be interesting now because uh, I was more or less, switched to tournaments recently yeah. so i'm not gonna i'm mind you i'm not gonna be traveling to like borgata like i'm not i'm not that much of a tournament player no i get what you mean but like in vegas in southern california some of these big events like i'll be playing so i'll probably run into sean deeb i'll yeah. probably be end up at his table sometime yeah well hopefully you guys can split a burger or something it'll be fine all right it'll be fine good i'm glad and uh <sighs> by the way your good buddy brian just binked a tournament uh world series of poker bracelet yeah and and yeah and he finished in a final table recently and so yeah he's he's, he is, he's crushing everywhere yeah i heard you talking with art about brian who you know he he definitely does have the image of being an exploitative player but he knows his theory like he, he oh yeah he studied yeah he's a very studied player so 
Yeah. I'm not surprised that he's having big results. It's, yeah. it's about time. Couldn't honestly. have a better guy. Now you mentioned off to funner stuff. You mentioned back in the day when you were grinding and building your bankroll, you started staking some players. And at one point you stakes somebody was a 200 K to play heads up against Ben Affleck. <laughs> yeah. Why um, didn't you play? I, I wasn't, I've never played that big. I didn't, I was not my full 200 K. Oh, it wasn't okay. I had a piece. Oh, you had a piece of it. Yes, okay. I had a you, piece. Did you crowdfund? Uh, yeah, we crowdfunded. Like <laughs> okay. our, our poker group. Yeah, I got it. No, cool. Yeah. Uh, Who played it, him? You even want to say? Come on. It was over 10 years ago. So, so what? I feel like shit? Statue of Limitations. Yeah, is like totally. Go. Point. Who was it? It was Brian Kim. Oh, my God. Did he play him? He, okay, let me start. That fucker never told me this story. Tell he, me the story. You know what? He's probably going to be upset that I'm telling him. I don't story care. Right Brian, now. get over it. We're both good friends with Brian. He'll get over it. I feel like it's. Why would he be upset, though? Let's talk about that. Why? Because. It's 10 years ago. What What is he going to miss by this story? Like, is someone else not going to play him? Like, come on. You're right. I mean, I think that Brian's a pretty private guy. Um, he is. So he didn't. Most probably... people don't even know who we're talking about. You know that, right? Yeah. 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 So it was New Year's Eve, actually. And we were in Arizona. A group of friends were in Arizona. Countdown. And we get a text from Brian. He's like, hey, guys, I'm playing Ben Affleck at Commerce right now. Playing uh, 2040 or 1020 or something like that. And uh, he's trying to get me to play red black and i won't play it for the amounts <laughs> no. that he wants to play yeah um so he's calling me like he's like oh you pussy yeah like, oh was he doing it in fun uh no ben was drunk oh he was drunk and oh he's he like, that happened a lot yeah. yeah and he was berating brian and brian was like hey man like my grandma will be upset if i like play red black but like i'm willing to play you heads up if you want to play heads up right and he's like kid you don't have enough money to play me heads up like really he was a dick like that. yeah he was like I'll was he nice it. when he wasn't drunk I, this okay. is the story that I got. Okay, got you know? it. So I, I can't speak to, I, I have no interaction with Ben. Actually, I have another Ben Affleck story that I could tell, but I'll tell this after. Tell it after. <laughs> okay, tell it after. Um, so he was like, I, I still can't, I still keep coming back to like, I hope he's not mad at me for telling this story. Who, Brian? He'll yeah. be fine. I, I'll take care of Brian. All right. So, All right. Um, so eventually he's like, I'll play you heads up. Um, and Ben's like, but we're not going to play at commerce. We're going to go to my friend's house. Uh, somebody who runs a private game, another high stakes, well-known player. And you, you know who it is, but so they set up a, wait, wait, say that again. Uh, you, you'll know who it is. Another well-known player playing who? Uh, another well-known player set up the game. Who? Uh, he didn't play. I don't care. <laughs> I, this, hey, I don't do softballs. Okay. Like, when <laughs> I do an interview, I want to know. So do the people watching who? I can't, that's the one thing that I can't say. All right. Tell me after. Um, I'll tell you after. All right. Um, so they set up this private game on New Year's Eve, mind you. Okay. <laughs> so meanwhile, like our group tech, our poker group text is getting like, hey, Ben Affleck wants to play me some absurd stakes. Like my stop loss is going to be 200K. How much do you guys want? We're like firing in. I'm like, Andrew, how much do we want of this? This could be like very <laughs> oh, expensive. Oh, Andrew Nimi. Go no, ahead. Andrew, my brother. Oh, oh, your brother. I'm like, how much <laughs> do we want to take of this? I think we ended up taking 25%. Wow. And so, like, that's a big number for us if we lose. Totally. So we're ringing in the new year, and we're getting text updates. We're getting sneak pictures oh, of shit. Ben. Where did this? And this played at someone's house. Someone's apartment. Yeah. Oh wow. And uh, we're getting pictures of Ben Affleck. Like, he's like, I'm taking these pictures for for blackmail in case he doesn't pay me. You know, mm, like, so there like, was there was no escrow. No one paid in advance. No. Ooh, no. I well, like Brian that. brought the money. Yeah. But Ben didn't bring money. I well, I don't like that. But it's Ben Affleck. It doesn't matter. So what do you say? Do you yeah. say do you say no? I'm not willing to play you for 200k. I don't know. No, ben Ben to. wasn't willing to play him for 200k unless he bought the money. 
Gosh, so unfair. It is unfair, but yeah, it's, it's but a shot at Ben Affleck. You just got to take it, yeah. So he, 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 you got to take the calculator risk. Yeah, he, he's like, that's the other thing. He's like, should I do this? Like, should I go to yeah, this? Yeah, like, do I trust this? So then we vetted the, the, the house, the apartment through my other friend, Gary Gates, because he's friends with the person. So he, he texted and he's like, okay, it's legit. The game's legit. Like, you're going to be fine. Right. Take the money. So we end up piecing out. Our whole poker crew has a piece of this now, you oh, know? Shit. Like, so we're, we're getting messages and uh, Brian's down. When I go to bed, he's down like maybe 30K or something. I wake up to a text message that says like, we got him. <laughs> <laughs> How much? I believe it was 160,000. Nice. Something like nice. that. He paid. Um, that's another story. He eventually paid. Wow. Um, but yeah, he had the pictures for blackmail just in case he didn't pay. But it took what about, does eventually paid me? I think it was like two weeks. And oh, I don't know if he bad. got the full 160. What? It was like maybe 150. What? But it was like, what do you, what hoops do you want to jump through? No, to, I get know? it. But wow. Yeah. Um, That's a great story. But he got the, he got yeah, most the most of the bulk it. of the money. And that, you know, that paid for my wedding, you know, so I, <laughs> I, I like to joke that uh, Ben Affleck paid for my wedding. You, that is very funny. It was an inside bro. joke with my wife and my friends, but yeah. now I guess the whole world knows it. If you're yeah. of the fan of hey, you heard easily it. offended, do not watch this show. You heard it here on the <laughs> Nick Fertucci show, man. This is where we dig. We don't want those cursory bullshit answers. But yeah, yeah but it, like I, I was actually buying pieces of people all the time. I actually took, uh, there was a kid that came to me in San Diego at one point and was like, hey, I'm an online player. I want to switch to live. Would you, do you know somebody that's willing to stake someone? I, I brought this kid on and uh, stake, staked him and it was really funny. Like he was, he was a good player. So I was like, I want you playing in the biggest games possible. I'm going to play five, five here at oceans because I'm just printing like, you know, $150 mm -hmm. an hour mm -hmm. doing that. I want you playing the 10, 20. And like, so I would put him in the big game and I would like keep an eye out. Like I'd be like over watching People knew we were friends. I didn't like playing the same game as him. And I remember distinctly one time, one of my, one guy was like, man, you're good enough to play in that 10, 20 game. You should, mm. you should ask so-and-so to stake you for the game. <laughs> no way. Not knowing that I was fully staking that guy. Oh my God. For the game. That's so great. But it's, it's, it's just like, I didn't have an ego about it. And like, I, I didn't also want to, like I had this, like we talked about earlier, this, like, I wasn't used to those dollar amounts. Like yeah. I, I, I still had this thing that was holding me back as a poker player. Yeah. Yeah. So while I could like coach this guy and give him good, uh, coaching and like, in theory, tell him how to, play good poker and you were coach. missing that extra chip exactly like he didn't elite. he didn't have that like yeah. he was willing to like battle yeah. and go yes in there. so um i ended up making a lot of money off this kid so like this is my first foray into like business you still have horses i have one horse now um he lives in vegas with me um nice. he he also is kind of like a personal assistant Sweet. Um, but i put him in the biggest games that i can get a hold of and he plays uh online as well 510 wow and um i do well with him so like I've set up my life to like make it content, Airbnb rental, um, uh, staking people. Sure. Like I have like more than one sort, sell merch, you know? You're like, so smart. Yeah, so you gotta have multiple It took me a while to get to this place, but now I, I can buy in for 50K on Hustler and, you know, have 50K downswings. Yeah. I can't come back and play next week, 
No, like, I get it. <laughs> I'm going to need to take a month or two off. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to talk about that real quick before we get, let's get the dog back in the yard on something that I'm curious about. I know that your next Ben Affleck story has to do with Jennifer Lopez. Oh yes. Okay. Bring it. And then um, we'll get, and cause I want to talk about the hustler stuff in the big. Okay. Bunch. Yeah. So, uh, so Ben Affleck, uh, by the way, after this happened, Ben Affleck ended up going to rehab like four days later. Like there was that famous picture of him smoking with the blue shirt on where <laughs> yeah. he's like this. And like, it's like Ben Affleck goes to rehab. That was like three days after this happened. Yeah. So that was another reason why Brian couldn't get paid. Oh, okay. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he went to a real rehab instead of a poker rehab. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, he, so Ben liked to gamble and he would be in Vegas and stuff. And one of my good friends, she was uh, a cocktail server and she was delivering drinks to Ben. Wow. And Ben handed her like some obscene tip. It was like, he was drunk. Yeah. It was like $5,000 tip. And she was like, are you sure? Like, and he's like, you can have it, baby. Like, you know, tip for you. And so like, my friend was just like, this is insane. Like, so she leaves. It might have been a thousand. It was a couple thousand. Okay. Whatever. I don't know the exact number. It doesn't matter. A but lot. she leaves and Jennifer Lopez, who was at the craps table or wherever it was with, with him, with him, leaves and follows the cocktail server <laughs> away from the table and corners her and says, give me that money back. No. Yes. What? And my They're friend was like hundreds of millions of dollars, but she's just she's probably used to cleaning up Ben's mess. Probably like or, he does this often. Yeah, I don't know. So she got bullied by Jennifer Lopez. No, <laughs> into giving back the thousands of dollars that Ben had tipped her. You gotta be shit. So me. Ben, I think, is a great tipper. Yeah, um, but you know, he got cock blocked by. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Dude, what a great! That's so. What an interesting story, yeah, Jennifer. Yeah, I mean, these there's so many these little stories that happen. Yeah. being in the gambling industry, being yeah. around poker, being around celebrities, and you know, playing with celebrities and things like that. But uh, this happened so long ago that I felt like, and you know, Ben is reformed man now, rehab. Is he? Uh, from what I know. Yeah, yeah, you know, okay. So like, I feel and he's like- And he's with Jennifer again, yeah. Like, I can like tell they circled these, back or something. Statue right? of limitations yeah, is over. come on. Anybody things. circled back there is with Jennifer again. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I see that. So basically when Ben gets drunk, he if he wants to play just the tip in any way, whether it's money or anywhere hey, else, this is your joke. He can he cannot be around. Jennifer cannot be in the building. I'm not participating in this. <laughs> I know joke. you're not. That's me. Don't worry. That's just don't worry. I'll be fine. You'll be fine. No one puts it on you. Okay, you won't get canceled. Uh, what's your vlog? How many followers do you have on your vlog on YouTube? Um, a little north of fifty thousand. That's cool. Yeah. And do you you do generate some revenue from that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you okay. Um, it's interesting. I, I said a long time ago, like when I first started out, I I was very like anti ads on my channel. I was anti selling out is what I thought it was. To do to take advertisements? Yeah. yeah. Because I was like, I'm a poker player. Like I'm just doing this is my creative outlet. Yeah. Like I don't need to sell out. Like I make money playing poker. But then like once I got over that and was like, oh, I need to make a living. It's a business, bro. Like, this is a business. Yeah. And I need to take care of my wife. Or like, what if we have kids? Like, I need, sure. you know, like all these things. Yeah. Like, you, I got over that. You don't that need hump. to be a purist when it comes to that. So what I, what I, my, my new rule was I won't advertise anything on my channel unless I personally use that product or believe in it. So That's one fair. of the things, one of the things that I advertise pretty heavily was range converter because it's like the primary way. What's that it called? I, range converter. Okay. It's like the primary way that I study. I, it's a, it's a pre-solved database where you can mm. look at even post-flop spots where like now I'm getting into tournaments. I'm like, okay, I'm not used to it folding to the small blind and having 25 big blinds 
Like, what do I do here? Right, right. Go on to range converter. Okay, you, mm. have, you have this hand. You should raise. Wow. Okay, I raise to this 3x. He calls. The flop comes. Is it easy to use? Yeah. The flop comes this board texture. Should I Should I bet? Yeah. No. Okay, I should check. If yeah. I do bet, what should my sizing be? We didn't have these tools available to us a long time ago. So it's it's such a great tool to help me study tournament spots. And they even have like a GTO trainer. I didn't really like mean for this to be like a plug for them, but it's just one of the that. examples of like something okay. that I'm willing plug to your, your, how do you find your channel to sub? Uh, you gotta just go to johnnyvibes.com. You can spell it wrong. You can spell it right. And it'll, it'll come take up you there. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, uh, you can see my YouTube channel. There well, you guys should do that. And by the way, cause I never say this during my show. If you like what you see, hit the like button and please subscribe because we got a lot more viewers than we have uh, subscriptions. So let's get that up. If you guys want to keep seeing this stuff, you know, what's wild. When you ask people to subscribe, when you ask people to hit the like button, they do it. It's just like such a little thing. Yeah. But yeah. like, I never would ask. I was yeah. like, oh, because I, I would forget. Or uh, yeah, I'd never ask. And, and then I'm like, one video I remember I asked in a clever way. And my that video had like 4,000 likes. Yeah. And then the video that I didn't ask had like 1,500 likes. Let's break a record with Johnny right now. How many how many likes can we get? Do it for us. And, and like, it's, it's not really about the likes. It's It's more about... It's free. Yeah. It supports the channel because it doesn't necessarily just give you more likes. It helps YouTube realize, hey, That's it. people are enjoying this content. Yeah. Maybe we should show it to other people that are interested yeah, in Yeah, it helps. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I appreciate it. Um, now, when you started getting into tournaments, that probably has to hurt the content a little bit because people aren't interested as I'm much. Not, I'm not going to vlog tournaments. Yeah. I like, mean, it, the, the I blinds mean you could are, do it as a sleep app. The blinds are changing. Like, <laughs> I'm all in with Ace King versus yeah, Jax like, for, whatever. for 30 big blinds a piece. Yeah, like, yeah. I lost the flip. I won the flip. It's so boring. Totally. And so tell, tell few guys that want to do, even myself, like, you know, I run a poker show and then I do this and I'm not very good at it. I, I, I haven't monetized it right. I don't put enough time into it. Like we probably, you probably have some, we've talked like on text, you've had some, you're like, Hey dude, you should build your brand more, whatever. So tell us about your content journey and some of the do's and don'ts and what you've learned that are positive and negative. If you're trying to do something like this. Uh, I would say the biggest do is for sustainability purposes is make sure you're actually enjoying it. Make sure it's like mm -hmm. actually fun. Yeah, it's going to be a passion project. Yeah. Like if you're not enjoying the process of making a video or you're not actually like enjoying playing poker, you just want to be like a poker yeah. vlogger. It's not going to be sustainable. You might like get some like clicks here or there. Well, or I'm an A plus then because I don't make shit on this show and I love doing it. So that's passion here, here, here's a tip for your uh, Nick Bertucci podcast. All right. Tell me your thumbnails need a lot of work. Okay. Uh, all you need to do really, because your thumbnails right here is just going to be a, a shot of this. Like your thumbnail could be like um, for this particular video, Ben Affleck loses mm. massive, With massive. a picture of him. Or Ben Affleck pays for Johnny Vibes' wedding. Has to be more clickbaity. Yeah. And like, it's true. And, and you put a picture of Ben Affleck on there. I'm like going to look at that. I'm like, is that true? Right. And I'm going to click on it. And the first thing that you're going to show in that video is a teaser of Vincent. You got this is like right. <laughs> Ben Affleck actually paid for my wedding. You know, like yeah. I'm not saying that that's it. No, but that's a great thing. Hey, Ben Affleck pays for Johnny Vibes wedding. <laughs> that's what we're going to call the show. Vince. No, no. But my point is, is that like <laughs> that curiosity gets me in there. Yeah. And as long as the clickbait is true and as long as there's truth to it. Yeah. And as long as you're delivering on their the clickbait, click. Yeah then it's, then there's That's no fair. issue, yeah. you know, like, but this, 
you, the, if I wouldn't have told you how to title this video, you might have said like the Nick Bertucci podcast with Johnny Vibes. True. You know, yeah. and like I, if I'm Joe Schmo and I don't know who Johnny Vibes is, I'm probably not going to click on that. You know what I need, but I don't have a budget for it. I mean, obviously I can afford it, but I don't have a budget for it. I need a, a like because I, I have Vincent, but Vincent runs like a lot of different businesses and things. And he's whatever. I need that. I need like to be able to f fast real time because I'm not good with technology. Like I might want to just go get a hand and talk about that for 45 seconds, mm -hmm. something really cool, a big hand, whatever, and just put out a short, put it out, put it out. But I, I just don't have like someone on staff that I could just say, do this, do this, do this, do this, you know, and, yeah. and get it out because I don't do those things. Yeah. Well, that, you just advertise for it right now. Okay. Vincent, <laughs> it could be you if you want it, but you know, you know who's I need really it, good I need for it these? fast. It's like young and hungry poker players yeah. or aspiring business people okay like you know 20 yeah. 20 years old willing to grind yeah you know that's that's the guy All right. if you're watching this and like vincent i'm not cutting you out because you do good you're my editor your things but you're busy you're running big shit so and and i'm talking about the type of thing where it could be like this exactly. right like where i whatever i could just keep tasking yeah. someone um <clears throat> so if you're out there and i mean this is me, how this dm is, me this is how i found the guy that lives with me in vegas yeah i was having online meetup games. what is he I don't mean what you pay him specifically, but what does he get out of it? You just pay him per project. Like how does how does that work? Um, I'll get to that. Well, okay. But um, oh, this is what part of the answer. Yeah. Okay. So, I met him through my online meetup games, and I, like I said before, like a lot of my audience is lower stakes players, so mm -hmm. I was crushing these games, and he was like the one guy. There was a couple of guys, but he was one of the guys that was like holding his own, and was like there every week. Right. Buying a hoodie when I put a hoodie on, right. clicking like on my videos, uh, subscribing to the channel, commenting on the channel, and I just noticed him. I'm like, this guy showing up to in life meetups, real in per person. Yes, meetups. yes, yes. And just like the energy there, I'm like, this kid's hungry. There's a lot of synergy because he was he, really vested in this life. He he like he battles hard at the poker table. Like I've crushed him, and he gets back up and he comes back the next week to like try to battle with me. I want to take a shot on this kid. Poor Mexican kid living in. Montana like it reminds me a lot of my brother reminds me a lot of my upbringing let's bring this kid in the fold and let's provide him every opportunity mm -hmm. that I didn't have mm -hmm. and while it's what's he getting out of it he now gets to play in the biggest games that he could ever want oh, okay because he's not he, just straight assistant he's I get it he has access to Andrew he has access to my oh that's to, huge to for myself a for a bankroll he he can ask Andrew any question he gets to live in uh, my apartment. No, no, I got it. You like know, that like, guy's, he stuck the landing. Yeah. So yeah, I he, don't want Vincent living with me. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, Maui's part of the family. He's like a little brother, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's actually one of the reasons why all of my horse staking arrangements have worked. And it's, it's because they've been a part of the family. When you are totally. treating someone like an employee and an employee only, mm -hmm. You tend to not be as hands-on with them. Yeah. They tend to not care about you yeah. as much, not work as hard. But when you bring them into the fold like a family member, like uh, the guy that I was taking at Oceans, who I put in the bigger games, yes, yes. the guy who now lives with me in Vegas, they want to work hard for me. They want to work hard for themselves. They want to make me proud as an older brother. I totally get it. Do you have some future content plans that are bigger and better or different than what yes, you're doing? Yes, 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 totally. I, I feel like every time around New Year's, you get this like buzz and energy. Yeah, like, like I get it. Because you evaluate, Me too. You evaluate yeah. the previous year yeah. and you see where you fell short. Uh huh. And you're like, you know what? 
I'm going to put some focus on... Hence the New Year's resolutions. Yeah, and, and New Year's resolutions are obviously bullshit. They are. But what isn't bullshit is the opportunity to evaluate where, how far you've come, yeah, what, where you fell short, mm-hmm. and what maybe you can improve on and this how, year. And how you want a 2 or 3 or 4 or 10 exit. Yeah, and I make no mistake about it, a lot of the opportunities that I've have come to my fruition in poker are because I've made content. And to turn my back on that, not only is turning my back on my community that I've built, yeah. it's turning the back on my back on something that has provided me such great opportunities. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to refocus and start making poker content again, um, which I think really in 2023, short form content is going to be like still like growing. So I'm going to make a big push back towards short form content. Can you, I, I, people troll me because I didn't on Twitter know what double authentic uh, yeah. authorization. Oh, how do you say it? Authentication. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I can't say it. Maybe I'm having a stroke. Two factor authentication. Two factor authentication. Yeah. And so I get trolled because I don't know shit, which is fine. But like, what does short form content look okay, like? So how short is my it? My current uh, content is very labor intensive. It is 12 minutes of video, which ends up being like 25 hours to produce. Wow. Short form content is something that will be on Instagram and be 45 seconds. It'll be a clip of me. It'll be on YouTube as well. Yeah. Or YouTube shorts or mm-hmm. TikTok or things like that. Because I want to do more of that, the shorts and stuff. Where Yeah, I, because like, people have very short attention spans. Yeah. Like, you know, they. That's what I watch too when I see something short versus something 12, 15, 18 and minutes. Even, I'm like, I don't know. Even uh, poker um, vlogs or the viewership is down for them. I think part of that is because the the success of live streams namely hustler casino live you guys are broadcasting five days a week mm-hmm. for six hours five hours monday through thursday and six to ten hours on fridays so we're talking blocking off 30 hours of entertainment sure. for poker whereas before this existed we had poker vlogs by me andrew Nimi, brad owen and if you wanted to get your fix of like live poker you had us to pick from. Yeah. And now you have Rampage, yeah, this, you have yeah. Mariana. So it's hurt the market a little. You have the live streams that are 30 hours a week that are not just like average live streams. Like we're getting million dollar pots. We're getting Mr. Keating having 95% VPIPs. We're getting Rampage. And then we're putting out the big... massive videos on and top of it. And then you're doing the, the short form content short as form well with these uh, clips, yeah. you know? Like three, so, four videos a day at some point. We're just because we have so much. Yeah. And, and I, and I feel like I, while I don't have like the drama and I'm not going to bring the, 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 um, the negativity to the space, I feel like I have a lot to help people. I, I can impart wisdom. I can help people think more positively about life, about the game of poker, help them realize that the poker dream still is attainable in all shapes and sizes. doesn't mean that you need to be playing 500k pots on hustler you can grind out a living making sixty thousand dollars at your local casino like that's still attainable like these things are still attainable totally and uh this was later in one of my questions but since we talked about it i always ask everyone why do you think hustler casino live is the trajectory is so straight up and so popular what what is it about it is it because we put out so much content so just what do you think like Uh, in my personal opinion yeah i think that you guys have done a good job of marrying so many different pieces. One piece is the production. You couldn't log on to a live stream and see crispy video footage like that prior to Hustle Casino yeah, Live, true. unless you were watching Triton. And Triton is something that runs like almost never. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, and they don't, they usually do tournaments. They don't do yeah. cash games. The high quality every day. 
Yes. Then that's one piece. Second piece, it was right out coming out of the pandemic. There was like a there was like a thirst for like live yeah, poker content. Yeah. Timing. You guys capitalized live at the bike. Like had taken a step back. Like I don't even think they were like doing. No, shit. they had shut down to revamp for Bally's. Yeah, and then when they came back, their their video wasn't crispy, and yeah. like you know the production, like the lighting was bad, like all these things. They weren't getting the same lineups. Also. I think that you guys have figured Ryan has figured out this like great marriage of lineups where you have good players, you have crushers, you have guys that give action, but like are more in the middle and you have like guys that are just fucking wild. Yeah. It's a, it's a secret recipe that's put together and it's very, very good. Yeah. And so when you take all these things, add the shorts channel where you're bringing eyeballs in drama here and there, (laughs) you think (laughs) we'll get to that we're gonna get like um (laughs) and i I think that while we can say that hustler casino live is just a product that was destined to succeed there's obviously some bit of luck but i think in this situation the skill and like the product outweighs the luck in a lot of the situation i think that a lot of times in business a lot of it can be chalked up to timing and luck but i think with this it's just been a little bit of timing and a little bit of luck yeah but a lot of production a lot of lineups a lot lot of of like yeah a lot of hard work a lot of thoughtfulness you know i've said this before uh ryan and i uh and 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 vincent's dad clint who's produced for me for a long time and a lot of other things sat down and one of the things that we talked about before one show went on is that all the stuff we're going to make the best content we're going to do the best production like we weren't going to hold anything back from it come out hot but one of the things is we wanted to build characters we wanted to build something that people are like oh my god you know nick and luda or Mm -hmm. which not i'm not popular but you know what i mean but that rivalry can be or this guy and that guy and oh keating and he's gonna have a 90 so it's like we wanted to build characters to where you're gonna come in and either root for them Mm -hmm. or root against them whatever it is but build characters definitely yeah Yeah. i mean even guys like mike x who you wouldn't think on the surface is someone who would be Mm -hmm. a fan favorite somehow he is and i think part of it is bringing him on your podcast we get to know who he is yes yes francisco with his cock you know like oh he's the the pro (laughs) like he's yeah he's special francisco is one of my favorites francisco and i had a this is from francisco's cock oh really it came out right in my hand (laughs) and i i've kept it here ever since so there it is right there francisco and i have a a little bit of a rivalry but i i really oh i remember that from the bike he used to troll you yeah and like i actually really enjoy francisco i think he's he's a sweetheart he's great and i think part of one of the things that we have there is that uh, my dad's mexican Francisco's Mexican mm-hmm. and he's like the king Mexican poker player, you know? Like, oh yeah. You know, he likes to be that. Yeah, and, yeah. So he, he, he has trolled me a little bit in the past, but you know, bring it. I, yeah, I, I no, I know, but he is a, too. he's a good, he's got a good heart. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so t- tell me about this. You mentioned it. You won and lost your biggest pots in your poker career on stream, which is very rare for a poker player to have that exposed uh, yeah. in front of the world. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, Partially because you can't really find games that are that big. And when, if I want to play on Hustler Livestream, I have to play big. I have to buy in big. Like, you guys don't have kitty games anymore. What? No. What? <laughs> no, there, there's no kitty games. There's no kitty games. And so the Tuesday, to, Thursday game, Wednesday game are big. So I have to step outside of my comfort zone. Um, like I said, I had a, a very fortunate year. I've uh, my first year playing tournaments, I've made, you know, in the six figures. So like I, I've had some like fortuitous thing happens where I'm like, you know, give away some pieces to other people. Like 
But mind you, when I'm in this hustle game, I have over 90% of myself. So when... So it matters. So it matters. <laughs> and when I, you know, my biggest pot that I ever lost was against Mariano and it was only $65,000. And I know full well... Was it flush over flush? It, it was, uh, he rivered a flush and I had top air, top kicker. That's, I fold, I folded, I folded the river it. though. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but um, these, I know that if I continue... First of all, if I'm going to continue to get invited back to Hustler, I need to buy in big. I need to play a lot of hands. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've had the highest VPIP on the last two shows that I've I played. have noticed, which is weird because I know that's not you. I'm coming out of my, you know, yeah. like I, I want to be part. Like I don't want to, yeah. I want to get invited back. I want to have big pots against sure, Mariano. Sure. Like I want to be in there with like random hands so that, you know, maybe I can pull off a bluff against Aces. Why don't or... you <laughs> Why don't you also hit Billy? Because, you know, one of the prerequisites is to play on the Monday show is if you're action, which you're willing to do, you said that, but you have a following. Yeah. Why don't you hit Billy up and play some of the Mondays so you're under, so you're not under such immense pressure? Well, I like the pressure now. Oh, yeah. okay. And, and like now that I'm getting more used to the pots, I I want to be in there. Good. I want to mix it up. Get in. You know, like... Love it. Uh, the, the Monday game, it, it's hard to like go... You know, lose a sixty thousand dollar pot and then go into the Monday. See, because I played with you at the bike when I was way back in the way day. back in the day. Yeah. Now I won't go because I, I wasn't the player I am today, which I'm still not shit. But 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 I noticed then, like when you played then, man, like Johnny's tight. Like yeah. Johnny is oh, tight, yeah. tight. You're here. You're there to grind out some sort of win. And then we're going. And back, I was shocked. We're going back to our my roots. Like, right. I have to like really pull myself out of it. When you played the couple times you played with me at the table once or twice, I was shocked. I was not prepared. When you three and four bet, I was like, this fucking guy has it. There's no way. I've never seen this from him. You knocked me off of aces on two kings on the board, I think on the turn when you, when you, yeah. when you, I think I bet or bluffed, you rebluffed me. And I'm like, there's no way he doesn't have a king. Like yeah. I've never seen this side of you. Yeah. So you definitely have when we were ruining it now I, but your image is being ruined but you played your image too yeah. and like i was perplexed mm -hmm. what i saw and then having a having a high vpep now i have to make lighter calls because like people yeah. don't think i have it as much i call francisco with queen high the other right, day right right uh which was right um so like but I, obviously i make a lot of bad when you're playing a high vpep you're gonna make a lot of mistakes too yeah you because you're just gonna run in you have so many decisions to make and it's uh it hasn't worked out for me so far but you know like that's why <laughs> I'm playing the high VFF. I'm putting myself in the fire. I'm getting myself used to the stakes because I want to play monthly. I want to be in there battling with you guys. I want to earn your guys' respect. I I want to to continue to be someone in this yeah. poker industry. Well, you're such a fucking nice guy that you have my vote. So if you ever need a nudge, let me know. Uh, little uh, he doesn't like to be called little rip, but Brian uh, <laughs> doesn't. Uh, he makes you know he does the lineups, but I I don't see why you you can't be back on. So make sure yeah, we see to you. Ryan's I want to see you in like, 2023. To Ryan's credit, like he's been letting me in about monthly. Yeah, that's so. cool. Okay, um, which by the way. I haven't even been able to afford to play more than monthly. That's okay. Based, based when on you're the ready, losses there's a seat. But I did uh, I did whip, rip off some nice wins in tournaments, and then I had Good. some nice WPT cash game wins. So Good. Okay, I'm going to hit you with just like quick three or four like easy things just for fun, and then I'm going to ask you about the jack forehand. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite hand? Um, so this is like when I was 
first starting aces. out, Jack's, Jack's Seven of Hearts was like one of those that was like, I made a straight flush with it one time. So, so you're fond of it. Yeah, it's just, you okay. know. That's fair. A little nostalgia. Everyone has their story, yeah. right? Their their thing, right? Uh, Ron has Queen Deuce. Mm-hmm. I've guys, King Eight. But I've, I've kind of grown out of it. I'm not going to be playing Jack's Seven of Hearts at all costs like, like no, Israeli no, Ron does. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I, well, good for you. <laughs> uh, favorite poker player back when you were coming up and now and why? Uh, favorite poker player when I was coming up? Hmm. Um, probably a Silder, Victor Blum, uh, because I was in the online streets a lot and he was the guy that was giving, uh, Tom Dwan and all those guys fits. He was a Swedish guy and I had a lot of Swedish friends Mm -hmm. and, um, I, I visited Sweden and loved it over there. And Victor Blum was just like taking the internet poker world by storm. Mm -hmm. And he had this aggressive style. I'm drawn to the style that was not me. Because I admired it a lot. Totally, I get that. So, which is why That's nowadays what you want to be aspired to, and exactly, you know you're missing that. Which is now nowadays why I really admire um, Adamo. Mm. You know how that is? Yeah, of course. Yes. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, Michael Adamo, who has like a very aggressive, high very high variance style as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's crazy. In even in relationships, you're like drawn to the opposite. You know. Totally. So. That was one of the other questions I had for you because I didn't realize your marital status. I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. I don't pay attention, so I was going to ask you. I don't know if your wife will let you answer this just for fun, but what's your, what's your type? Obviously, your wife, and then who's the hottest chick in poker? Okay, she won't have any problem with me answering <clears throat> good. this. You got yeah. a good marriage then. Um, my my type has always been someone that just looks different. So you know, growing up in America. If they were Eastern European mm. or if they were Latina or mm. if they were, um, I even had like a short little Asian phase. <laughs> yeah. But like if they looked different and felt different, like culturally, you were attracted. To I that. was attracted to that. It was like the allure of like something just different. different. Yeah. You know? So who's the hottest chick in poker and why? The hottest girl in poker. If you were single. If but, I was single. Yeah. And you could have a magic wand because mm. you probably couldn't get her. But if you could. Yeah. You go, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I mean, it would definitely be someone that's from Russia, Sweden, or like Colombia. But nobody that anyone knows. Nobody that like that comes to my mind. Fair enough. I, that's fair. Okay. Yeah. But uh, if I, those would be the ones that I would go after if there was a hot poker girl I that looked it. like that. I get it. I get it. Okay. Uh, favorite food. Favorite <laughs> food. Probably all things. If I could if you're going to the electric chair, you had one meal. Probably Mexican food. Just Mexican food, and yeah. one particular dish. Um, I don't know. I love nachos, man. I wanted to. <laughs> I, I wanted to name my first son Nacho. <laughs> <laughs> that, that flew like a ton of lead with the wife, or what? <laughs> she doesn't want Nacho. <laughs> uh, I think you better go with her. Go with her. Read. Yeah. I don't think you want a Nacho running around. Yeah. This is wrong with Nacho, but yeah. you know, whatever. It's like but in general, Nacho Poncho. Who's the next one going to be? In general, poncho? like I'm a very healthy eater. Like I really like Thai food as well. So mm. yeah. Okay. Um, That's cool. All right. Uh, a couple more dumb or one here. What, what other loves do you have outside of poker? Real passions for. Um, adventure. So people call it traveling. People call it like, um, you know, thrill seeking. I really just look for adventure. So when I'm going to a place, if that place is going to feel like an adventure to me, Mm -hmm. then I'm like, like, I really want to go there. But if it's like Australia 
which is a great place. Like Australia's great, but it feels a lot like California. Yeah. So it's not like much as much of an adventure. Got it. You because you're back to the different shit. Exactly. You like so different. Like new. High up on my list that I haven't been to yet is a place like Bali or Indonesia or Vietnam or Cambodia oh, cool. or. Um, I really enjoyed the Greek islands. Um, hmm. Turkey, I, I enjoyed. Uh, nice. Croatia. Just, Got it. Cool. Yeah, places that are just different that, that we don't have in America. Okay. Well, I have three more questions for you. The one is the question of the day that I ask everyone and then a final thought. So the next question is, uh, what do you think? And you answered anyone about the Jack forehand. What do you think about it as far as your thought on it? What the truth is in there? If you have a thought, what you think about certain actions of players, people, just anything you want to put in on that subject. Okay. Um, I mean, there's so much to say. I, I was definitely wrapped up and involved in the hand and I'm the type of person that generally I want to think that people are good and I want to presume innocence until guilty. I remember when the whole Mike Postle thing came out, mm-hmm. I actually didn't pass judgment on Postle for a couple of weeks. Cause like I wanted to see the proof proof came to my eyes that it was there. So I was all in on him being guilty. So when the Jack Ford thing happened and she said something about a three in her hand, I just thought that she thought she had Jack three and was making a ridiculously light hero call with a pair of threes. Okay. And then when she was confronted about it, she, she was it. so embarrassed yeah. that she misread her hand that she was probably just like grasping for straws and lying. Yeah. And in my personal opinion, it seems like she lies a little bit like she's definitely been caught in some lies she's um she seems like contradictory in a lot of things that she says so if i just had to like come up with a hypothesis because i don't know either way obviously right my hypothesis would be that she thought she had jack three once she realized that she didn't have jack three she was embarrassed so she wanted to save face and lied about her hand her lies didn't really make sense I thought you had ace high, like you know, like yeah, yeah, I get it. All Blockers, these things. This, all that. Um, and then I was a little bit disappointed in Garrett's response, just because I Garrett was somebody that I definitely looked up to in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, um, and I felt like he handled it very poorly. Um, and a lot of times I go back to like, how would I do something? Yep. Like I try to like put myself in those shoes, mm-hmm. and I could just never imagine taking money from someone in a hand that played at a poker table. without absolute proof without proof you know um and and at that point like he had basically nothing to go off of like Mm -hmm. um just like a hunch just Mm -hmm. her like lying or whatever. sure so but i'm also not the type of person that's gonna like be a judge and executioner of someone like i understand you know i think it's fair what you're saying i think that like while i was disappointed in the way garrett handled things and i thought that he could have handled it better i wasn't in that spot I like to think that I would ha- wouldn't have handled it like he did, but and and like I'm not gonna say that like he's dead to me or like I don't still think that he is someone that can reform his image and be a great person. Right, a lot of people community. go in on that other thing and say that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like what he did is like, you know, maybe like a little pushy and, but it's not like he's it's not like he's a scammer. It's not like he. He just made a, a judgment call that yeah. I personally don't think was right, but got it. Nothing that can't be repaired or rebuilt. Were you shocked that the poker community, like the internet, broke over something like this? No, yeah. I'm not shocked about it because they they were they broke and were 
upset about me charging markup that I exceeded. So this just makes sense because this was 10x more interesting. Yeah, like this right. this was crazy, you know? So right. I'm not shocked at the responses. Right. I'm not shocked at the 12-hour live streams. I'm not shocked at Berkey dedicating entire shows to, you know, I'm not shocked at him tape recording people to try to figure out information. Like this whole thing was just so huge that I was even like looking at, I was even going down the rabbit hole and watching things. So no, I'm not shocked. Like I consider myself a, a low drama person mm -hmm. and I was sucked into it. Totally. So I'm not, I'm not shocked. <laughs> yeah, no fair. That's a fair answer all the way around. And I, I figured it would be an answer like that because you're pretty level headed. Anything more to add? Uh, I, t I touched on, on the, on the, on the, yeah. thing. Nah. okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Last but not least, I got three more, two more questions and a final thought from you. Poker goals, personal goals going forward for Johnny Antonio, Tony Marino vibes. <laughs> uh, poker goals are to, first of all, I want to show a profit on Hustler Casino live. That'd be, that'd be really cool. <laughs> That's good. That's <laughs> um, good. second of all, I want to create more content. I want to, um, inspire people to either like make positive changes in their life or improve their poker game. Uh, and the only way that I can really do that is by making content and like being on people's timelines and things like that. Personally for myself, I want to make it onto the top 100 GPI in terms of poker results. I don't can think you I, people are going to laugh at me. What is that? It's um, it's a global poker index ranking. Okay. So uh, this is my first year of really playing tournaments 2021 as like a more than Twenty to thirty thousand mm -hmm, dollar mm -hmm. um, investment. I invested over two hundred thousand. I invested over three hundred thousand in tournaments this year. I believe. I don't know the exact number, but my profit was over one hundred fifty thousand. So, great. I I'm ecstatic to have like a profitable year in poker tournaments, and I want to continue to go down that path, and at least crack the top one hundred of GPI, which is great. a ranking for tournament poker players. Yeah, that's a good. Goal. My brother's in the top ten. Wow top no i think i saw something like that something that's like cool that. so you know and uh, in a lot of ways we're the same poker player he's more studied he's he's more fearless he's he's got that younger like recklessness about him yeah he's got that extra but he's button. a resource for me and like there's no reason why i can't mm -hmm. come close to doing what sure he, he yeah you can me. emulate that you're right there yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll probably never be the player that he is because he i'm not willing to dedicate the time that he dedicates to it mm -hmm. but i i can get in the top 100 he's top 12 i can get in the top 100 well i could so i saw when that some ranking came out or you posted something you're very proud of him so that had to be oh my really gosh cool. we're like best friends and there's like no bit of jealousy that goes Good into, you, buddy. into that like i am over the moon happy as if it's me and that's very rare a lot of people covet yeah we had a we had an interesting thing where we final tabled a, a 2500 big tournament together and it was just like, it was so fun. It was the most fun that I've ever had playing poker. And um, where'd you guys land? Venetian. No, uh, where I did got, you I land got, in ranking? I got third and he got sixth. Oh, wow. And uh, we combined for like 110,000. Yeah. Awesome. Um, mine, mine was 85. But anyways, when he's all in and he loses and I'm sitting there at the yeah. table, that hurt me more <laughs> I than when I was all in and lost. I understand. And he feels the same way about me. I understand. And there's not a lot of relationships. Todd, you guys are lucky to have that, bro. So lucky. And and it goes back to the way we were raised. It goes back to the way we grew up. Hmm. I covet. I, I'm so thankful for those moving around a lot because if we would have stayed in one place my whole life, I would have had my own group of friends 
who enjoyed basketball like I did. Andrew would have had his whole group of friends that enjoyed the things like the heat track and field or whatever he was into. Yeah. And we would have had our separate cliques and we would be friends, but we wouldn't be the bond that we have now. So totally. And, and so things like running deep in tournaments and sharing these tournament successes, it's, uh, I mean, it makes me emotional. It's just so yeah. cool. cool yeah, me. I could tell how much uh, how much love you have for your brother and how close you are. You re- like I said, redundantly, very lucky to have that man. So mm-hmm. cool. Uh, personal goals going forward. Uh, personal outside of poker. Um, you need some nachos. Some nachos running around. Maybe that's we've been uh, we've been talking about yeah. that. Uh, we're getting to that age where yeah, old you your know, wife. I, she's thirty five. Yeah, you better get a nacho rolling. So, yeah. Um, a couple jalapenos in the other. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to have a Hispanic name. I, <laughs> For I believe, sure. You know, has, uh, she's she's uh, Russian, but she's totally open to like cool. any kind of name. Nice. Uh, but yeah, my wife and I have the best relationship. And um, I think that it's time that maybe we talk about that. But it's so scary because we have such an amazing life now. I get it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the trade for this for that. Well, only you guys know what's best for you. I will tell you, there is no deeper, better love than one when your first child comes out and yeah. you have a baby. It's unexplainable. You could talk about it to your blue in the face, but you can't explain it till it yeah. happens. Uh, I would say it's something don't miss out on, especially as you get older in life. Uh, I think it the plus EV to have family mm-hmm. like that. It, it, but you will you will give up uh, yeah. some trips. You will give up yeah. a lot of things that are amazing. But I but again, only you know. I'm just yeah. telling you it might be worth it. And the other thing is is that a lot of times we make decisions based on how we feel currently, mm-hmm. and we don't we don't think about what it'll be. This like one in you 10 might years. want to. And and this is one where we're like. If we make this decision now, it'll be something that we're probably very happy about in 10 years. You will be, you will shudder at the thought of not doing it if you do it 10 years from now and you have those kids. And that's just a little tip from your Uncle Nick. Okay. But whatever you do, you do. Uh, I'm going to give you the mic for a final thought. Anything you want to say? I I tell you this. I I believe strongly that people are going to really get to know you in this interview and like you a lot. Um, I've learned a shitload about you just having this talk with you. But anything you want to leave anyone with? And if you don't have anything, we don't have to. Yeah, I mean, first of all, thanks for having me on. Uh, It's fun to share my backstory with a new audience because a a lot of people watch your show. Very interesting. You know, I I haven't been making as much content lately, so they may not know who I am, but really cool to have this platform. So thank you for that. And I would say that the most fulfilling thing for me being in this space is when people come up to me and tell me that I've had a positive impact in their life. Yeah, it's like I said, it's like a drug. So. I want to continue to do those things. So that's like my big thing is if I can put out a piece of content that somebody comes back to and comes to me later on and says that it it affected them in a positive way, whether it's through their poker game or just like their outlook on on life, then that's what's going to carry me through. Yeah. Uh, and And on that note, I will say that this is something that Art talked about. The poker dream is not dead. Yeah. It just doesn't look like it did. 15 years ago when I got into it. Yeah. When I got into it, the poker dream was becoming Phil Ivey or totally uh, um, Garrett, you know, something like that. Now to get to that level, isn't really that feasible in today's market in today's day and age, but there's still something there for people for sure. You know, like if your goal is to sustain a lifestyle that where you make six figures, that's still attainable. If your goal is to have more autonomy and more freedom in your life, 
that's attainable with poker. So don't give up on poker if if you have a passion for it and realize that the poker dream comes in all shapes and sizes. Yeah, you know, and then we're going to leave it on this. It's, you know, obviously I'm monetizing a poker show. And so I went from running businesses and businesses for years. And, and so in the poker community, the poker show has been great for me that way. But um, this is my first real year of playing poker for a living, if you will. Now I'm retired and call it what you want. I mean, do I have to win to survive? No. Um, Your first year playing a large sample size that you can really... This, I, yeah. I, this is the first... Yeah, this is the first year where I, that's what I do. I play poker. Yeah. I run a poker show, but in the back end of it, but I, I literally play poker and have had a great year yeah. uh, doing that. And so it's been amazing. Yeah. It really has. I, I, I've loved every minute of it. Anything else you got for us? No. Well, it. then that's going to be it. This is this has been a great show. Uh, this is the Nick Vertucci Show. Uh, if you like what you saw, subscribe, hit the like button. Uh, I am Nick Vertucci, and I am and have been here with Johnny Vibes Marino. And uh, I want to thank you for coming in. It was yeah. a great show. I think they're going to love it. And be out. Appreciate you guys. Thank <laughs> you.